noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weed. Doing coke, drinking beers. Pack our ass, smoke up, man. Time to kick back, drink some beers, and smoke some weed. Done poisoning the youth for today, huh? Hells yes, whatever that means. Now it's time to head over to Atlantic, drink some beers, get ripped, and hopefully get laid. 179. Paid a good man. Yeah, you close soon? In a half an hour. Yeah, we get off at the same time every day. We should hang out. You get high? I should start. Wanna come to this party with me tonight? There's gonna be some pussy there, man. With you? I don't think so. Oh, look at you. I don't hang out with drug dealers. Nothing personal. Yeah, what happened with that old guy? He died in the bathroom. Well, I heard he was jerking off or something. I don't know. I wasn't watching. Yeah, he probably saw a can chick. I know I felt like beating him when I saw her. Oh, come here, bitch. You like this, huh? Huh? What you want, huh? Hey, hey, knock it off. That used to be my girlfriend, all right? I used to go out with her? Yeah, well, I thought we might be starting again. Do I already have a girlfriend? Yeah, Veronica. And what, you gonna dump her for that can chick? Maybe. I don't know, dude. That can chick's nice, but I see that Veronica girl doing shit for you all the time. I saw her rubbing your back, fucking come bring your food. Then I see her change your tire once. Hey, you know, I jacked up the car. All she did was unloosen the nuts and put the tire on. I don't know. She does a lot for you. She's my girlfriend. I had some girlfriends too, but all they wanted from me was reading shit. Shit, my grandma used to say, what's better, a fucking a good play with nothing on it? No, wait, I fucked up. What's a good play with nothing on it? Meaning? I don't know, she was seeing all that shit. She used to fucking piss herself all the time and shit herself. Come on, Samba, let's get the fuck out of this fucking jib joint with this fucking faggot Dante, you cock smoker. You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? My fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 191, Clerks. Suffice to say, this episode will be longer than the runtime of the movie. Probably. We have a lot of thoughts on Clerks, Kevin Smith, Clerks 2. Yeah. We'll be is... hitting a lot of the Kevin Smith-related topics It is this one of one. those things where I, I, I feel like people are like, are they Kevin Smith fans or do they hate Kevin Smith? I don't know. A little bit of both, maybe? No, I mean, I would say we're both definitely fans. Well, we're more fans of the person kevin smith and his early career i yeah. would not say like current fans sure but i would agree with that part of the reason why we have such strong feelings and strong disappointment in his recent stuff is because he was so important to us and held in such high regard earlier in our lives during our formative years that's right yeah, the weird thing for me is that you were probably seeing some of these things a little bit closer to when they came out. I'm sure you didn't see Clerks in 94, did you? No, no. Yeah. It wasn't till years later. Yeah, it was the 
early 2000s for me. I don't know, 2004, 2005, when I really started to get into his movies. I actually think I the first one I ever saw was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't make me get into the universe. I saw that when I was in, like, eighth grade. And then it was, like, years later when I was, like, a senior in high school or something when I started really getting into Clerks and Mallrats and whatnot. Before we jump into Clerks... Let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. Yeah, get engaged. Zach loves interfacing with the listeners. Sure, tweet at us. Tweet at us a listener request. We talked about that all during the last episode. <laughs> we don't need to rehash it, but no. just don't have high expectations of us actually... <laughs> That's wanting right. to do it. Anyway, Clerks is an important movie to both of us. It's a joke we've made countless other times. It's a reference to Scott Pilgrim, but Clerks and Kevin Smith was definitely a knives chow moment for me. Like I didn't know there were good movies until like two weeks ago. Oh, that's it's right. Like, all of a sudden you're renting all this shit and yeah. Kevin Smith movies were a big awakening for me. The characters felt familiar to me pittsburgh not that different from suburban new jersey in a lot of ways <laughs> okay, hanging yeah. out at convenience stores being slackers i think it, yeah i mean this just was a time there was something aspirational almost about this sort of lifestyle which seems depressing and ridiculous now but <laughs> yeah it glamorized Although, a mentality I, ha- I have a shocking amount of days though still riding around in a car in the middle of nowhere and I just see like a post office and I'm like man working at that post office must be like the best job in the world well not right now if you're paying attention to the news I'm saying though like <laughs> just anywhere where there's no customers oh ever, well, yeah like a soap store yeah <laughs> there is a part of me that just longs for like a job where I just interact with like nobody I had a little bit of a hanging out at a convenience store phase we'll talk about that later oh can't wait So Clerks came out in 94. This was the height of the indie scene of the 90s with Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Soderbergh, etc. Kevin Smith fit right in. The writer-director, low budget. Yeah. I think that there's something, and it almost was reawakened in me on this viewing of Clerks as to why I was so into Kevin Smith beyond, like, his work. And I think, like, we've kind of gotten away from this time period because you can like make a movie for so much cheaper now than you could back then but just the idea that this dude financed this movie basically majority on credit cards which could completely fuck up your life (laughs) if it doesn't work out so to take that risk like that to make a movie and actually like hit and get a little bit of a career i mean obviously he ain't scorsese but (laughs) Yeah, I would say he's been a success. It's admirable at any point, even now, but certainly back then when it was much harder and much more complicated and you needed to know a little bit about the technology that was available. That's right, yeah. Now you can sort of do things on your phone or on an iPad. It's a lot easier. But back then you had to actually know about cameras and film and Like editing. actually like cutting. I think it might have even been for Chasing Amy that he still talked about Mosier showing him how to like cut the film. So there's actually like film on the cutting room floor. 
Yeah. This was Smith's first film, the first entry in what would become known as the Viewist universe, which is most notable for having the recurring characters Jay and Silent Bob and sort of overlapping extra characters and whatnot. I don't really think we need to dedicate a whole lot of time on the Viewist universe and how these movies connect. Yeah, that's and the that's, various characters that sort of that's pop when in we, and out. That's when we do like our four part Twin Peaks the Return on just like the Viewisk universe talking about all the different characters. We're going to discuss Smith's career as a whole and everything past Clerks at the end, but we'll jump into Clerks twenty five thousand five hundred and seventy five dollars, as Matt mentioned, mostly from credit cards, but also Smith sold his large comic book collection and had an insurance claim on a car that he owned with Jason Mewes. And I don't really even know how that worked, but it was damaged (laughs) like in a flood. So he got like a payout for that. And it all went to Making Clerks, which was shot at night in the convenience store where Smith actually worked during the day. And he did that at the same time as they were making this movie. Yeah, that's nuts. Which became like a whole thing where he wasn't even able to stay awake when they were filming some of the climactic moments of this movie because he was sleeping one hour a day for like three weeks. If you uh, want to put that 25K into perspective too, I mean, when you look at the packs of cigarettes in this movie for sale, $1.99 a pack. <laughs> yeah. Just nuts. It's like over $10 now. So you're saying the first time you saw this was 2004 or five? Yeah, sometime around then. Was, and this junior, was not senior. the first one. You said you saw Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back I had first. seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and watched that a bunch of times just with, like, my friends when I was in, like, eighth grade. A lot of the jokes, you know, not really resonating at that time. It, you just, because of the connections to the other movies? Right, or? yeah. But, you know, Will Ferrell is in it. Yeah. And it feels like this big comedy and Eliza Dushku... Right, very <laughs> popular. Very in on at the time. So, you know, I, I felt like I liked Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back for a kid that's like in middle school. It wasn't until, yeah, a few years later. I think it was Mallrats I watched first, but quickly thereafter, I sort of watched all of them. I think I had I, I definitely seen like Dogma was on Comedy Central like all the time. So I'd seen like parts of Dogma. Yeah, I can't remember for sure which one I saw first, either Clerks or Mallrats. This would have probably been like 99-ish, maybe 2000, 99, 2000, somewhere in there. I don't remember which one, but they were close proximity. We were renting a lot of movies from Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, and I was discovering a lot of stuff. I think I probably was into Kevin Smith before I had ever watched... Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction really and it was around the same time that I watched Suburbia and Days and Confused and Fight Club eventually Almost Famous and a bunch of other stuff sure check all the same boxes for me probably within a few years I watched like a lot of those movies but we watched Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy and then during that time period Dogma came out on VHS and it was like yeah. a new release and we were like what the fuck is this we didn't even know it existed because it's hard it's to a, explain to younger people yeah. but the internet wasn't as prevalent in everybody's lives like you weren't on the internet all the time and you wouldn't necessarily think to look up certain things and so when you're just getting into something like it wouldn't have even occurred to me like oh there's sites that talk about movies <laughs> which is crazy as that sounds but 
So just discovering Dogma, you're like, oh, here's a new one already. We saw Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back like a year or two Parts later of Dogma in the theater. Filmed here, by the way, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I, I I had known that, but we actually were like driving by that church the other day. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was probably a few months ago, but Lindsay was like pointing it out. She's like, yeah, that's that church from Dogma. And I was like, holy shit, it is. The aesthetic of Clerks was a huge influence on not only independent cinema and the cinema world in general, and I think the style of Clerks influenced a whole lot of filmmakers that would go on to be like way bigger and more successful than Kevin Smith, but it also was a big influence on me personally. Okay, As I yeah. said, I mean, these were like people to look up to in a weird way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know at the end of the movie, Randall sort of pulls them back to earth like we're not special we're not anything (laughs) but the idea of people that were too cool for school were smarter and better than you and we look down on you even though we have a shit job yeah right that was appealing (laughs) in the 90s for sure and even by the time i saw these things yeah i thought these people were cool and funny because they talked about movies. They talked about pop culture. They talked really fucking dirty. It definitely (laughs) misguided my life a little bit. Probably. I probably could have spent a little bit more time, like uh, understanding that investing in your future, there's reasons to (laughs) do that. I still don't really believe that. (laughs) I would say that clerks and Kevin Smith was one of the biggest influences on my sense of humor, developing it for sure. Now, when you go back and you rewatch some of this stuff, you do cringe at a lot of it. Absolutely. And you certainly can't get away with a lot of this stuff. But it was more than just the specific words. It was like the attitude. Absolutely. And we've talked about it a bunch of times. I mean, this has that hangout feel mixed into it. When you look at comedies over time, these Kevin Smith movies don't feel like a lot of other comedies. Certainly, the dialogue is long-winded but well-written and it's just cutesy, clever at times, but it just, it doesn't feel the way that most comedies feel. There's a lot of stuff in clerks that I always felt like was a swing and a miss. There's definitely some stuff that I think is just not funny, but even now in 2020 rewatching it for this show, I was definitely laughing at a lot of parts still. And I've seen this movie like a dozen times, maybe yeah, I've seen it a lot of times, and there's still some stuff that makes me laugh. I think so. Some of it, maybe not super appropriate, but it's probably, top to bottom, the best thing that Kevin Smith would ever write, which is a hard thing to overcome. I think we talked about it probably when we talked about Donnie Darko Yeah, and Richard Kelly's legacy. I think the execution, though, works in this movie. You'll hear people criticize or, or it will get talked about the fact that the camera doesn't move. I never even noticed. Like, I, I get caught up in what's going on with these characters. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Certainly, it stands out that Brian O'Halloran is a shitty actor <laughs> and that this is, it all feels very amateur. The performances are better than you'd expect at times. Yeah. I, and I, I buy it. I just get into this world. It's funnier than you would ever expect for something that basically seems like a homemade project and yeah there is some pretty solid acting in it despite the fact that everyone is amateur at least once everyone who has multiple lines almost everyone stumbles at some point that's right yeah and you just sort of have to look past it they weren't going to do a million takes they didn't have the resources or the time or the money to do that 
the film would go on to have a huge and long-lasting legacy as one of the defining independent films of the decade, even after Miramax sunk an additional 230000 into the post-production, a large portion of that on the soundtrack. Clerks still easily made a profit, grossing over $3 million, despite never playing on more than 50 screens at the same time, which That's is inching. very small. Yeah, I mean, you must be inching your way. Plus, I have a feeling this movie did very well in rental and sales and is still always available on Blu-ray and DVD all the time. That's they true, They reissue yeah. it a lot because people buy it. The film, of course, launched Smith's career, and in a lot of ways, as something you were alluding to, just the idea of doing it and taking this big chance, it is the American dream. I mean, he had a goal and an idea. Yeah, absolutely. And his version of that is more inspiring, I feel like, than what that would be today or what that even would have been 10 years ago, just because breaking in to the movie industry, it just felt like something that couldn't be done and obviously there's people that get it done but i don't know he seemed like too much of a normal guy to be able to do that well sometimes it's the naivete that actually works for you yeah because you don't think about how hard it's going to be to get people to see your movie your first thought is how am i going to make this movie and once you make it then it just takes a little bit of persistence and time to get somebody to see it. Yeah. And if you if you get one person on the lowest rung to see it, they might take it up to another rung, and then all of a sudden you're in a festival, and then you can submit it for Sundance and all this stuff. Yeah. Which is what they ended up doing. All this, and the and hardest part is just making the movie, and you shouldn't worry about the next part yet. And it's kind of like, you know, you always talk about the club <laughs> for something else and getting in the club, but it, I feel like back then – in particular with the movie industry, once you became a director, and certainly there was like one-hit wonders and whatnot, but it was just like, okay, you had some success here. You've got a foot in the door. This studio wants to work with you. You're going to keep getting these opportunities as long as you don't completely fuck if it up. If you were a man. Well, sure. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but I guess nowadays, you just feel like so many people with their Canon camera and their uh, iMac or whatever can make something that like looks amazing touch it all up, put these effects on it. Although I guess it's like Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Those people don't have anything to say. Yeah, well, I do think that the most important thing beyond anything, even technical ability, would be having a good script, whether you wrote it yourself or you're collaborating with someone. Right. Because if you don't have a story that anybody's interested in, then it doesn't really matter what kind of effects you put on it. So Kevin Smith heads out to the Pacific Northwest to go to film school, hooks up with Scott Mosier. It's such a weird little chapter in Kevin Smith's life. If you listen to his podcast like Matt and I have, you're familiar with his whole origin story. And this little detour, because wasn't it in Canada? Yeah, it's Vancouver, To go to this uh, film school. He only goes there for like half of a year. That's right. Yeah, he dropped out. He learns just enough. He makes a deal with Mosier, like, hey, the first one of us who finishes the script, the other one will fly out to that place and help them make it. Kevin Smith writes Clerks. Mosier makes good on his word, comes out, helps him along the way, is an integral part of it. Smith based the character of Randall Graves on his good friend Brian Johnson, 
who ends up not even appearing in the movie because yeah. <laughs> it was like they, they were having a, a tiff. Out. Yeah. <laughs> they were having a tiff at that moment. They would eventually, of course, make up and Brian Johnson would play small parts in the other movies and go on to be one of the comic book It's funny, though. It's like shit. he talks about wanting to play the Randall character originally. Yeah, I had that next to the notes and he quickly realized that that was never going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why Randall is the funny one and has right. the best lines because I thought that was going to be him, but then realized if he was directing and doing all this other stuff, there's no way he could like learn all these lines and yeah. then and be it's in like, the scenes and all this stuff. I know it's hard to picture this stuff and like know how you would react to it, but boy, that just doesn't seem like it would have played no, nearly it, as well. Anything that breaks through and is successful and people like it, there's usually a story of things that happen along the way that That's right. make it seem like everything worked out right. And this is just one of those things. But yeah, I mean, you talk about your sense of humor being formed around this sort of stuff, but I can remember listening to a lot of the Kevin Smith podcast stuff. And with those conversations with Brian Johnson and of course uh, their friend Walt Flanagan as well, you were just like, okay, yeah, I can see exactly where clerks came from. Yeah. You, you you see like those conversations and, and like the Randall Graves just completely nonchalant fuck it. <laughs> no sense of responsibility about their jobs. They ended up filming Clerks in black and white, which I think was cheaper. It also helped because they were shooting at night and that's why they come up with the plot device of having gum in the locks on the shutters of the store so that they could leave them shut so that people wouldn't see that it was dark outside supposed to take place during the day for the most part 21 straight days of filming plus two additional quote pickup days which i guess was just to get stuff that they didn't have and then eventually we're gonna you know gloss over some of the stuff they they're able to get it into sundance and miramax buys it which was run by the weinsteins at the time i feel like almost every episode of the no show now we have to villains. come up with yeah some sort of a disclaimer about something. It really is. <laughs> Oddly enough, next week also the Weinsteins are figuring in on that as well. They were big players in the industry. I, don't, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Not do their movies? Well, it's not just them, though. I mean, last oh, yeah. week we were having to preface no, the movie with a whole thing. It's just every week now. But they pump a bunch of money into post-production and get it out there and... and Smith is off to the races. One of the speed bumps, though, was the MPAA comes back with NC-17 for explicit dialogue. Shocking. I mean, okay, I get it, but really? For language? He was pushing the boundaries as far as mainstream movies, I think. that That's true. I'm not saying I agree with it because I think it's ridiculous because slapping an NC-17 on a movie is essentially censoring it. So I'm not agreeing with that, but... And it's Can like you a think of a mainstream movie. movie before 1994 that has like that string of porno titles that Randall reads? Well, that's I true. I mean, it is like insane okay. shit that yes. he's saying. And that is, uh, yeah, like you say, pushing the boundaries. But come on. Are you going to slap an NC-17 rating on a movie for language? That just seems nuts. Excuse me. Do you sell videotapes? Yeah, what are you looking for? Happy Scrappy Hero Pop. Uh, one second. I'm on the phone with the distribution house now. Let me make sure they got it. Okay. What's it called again? Happy Scrappy Hero Pup. Happy Scrappy. She loves it. Obviously. Uh, yeah, hi, this is RST Video Calling. Customer number 4352. I'd like to place an order. 
Okay, I need one each of the following tapes. Whispers in the wind, to each his own, put it where it doesn't belong, my pipes need cleaning, all tit fucking volume eight, I need your cock, ass worshiping rim jobbers, my cut in eight shafts, come clean, come gargling naked sluts, come buns three, coming in socks, come on Eileen, huge black cocks with pearly white cum, girls who crave cock, girls who crave cunt, met alone too, the KY connection, pink pussy lips, oh yeah and uh, all holes filled with hard cock. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, what was that called again? Well, they fought it and they won. Yeah, and... good. Which, it does seem like that is usually the case. Well, most of the times. I think next week we're going to be doing a movie where they did have to cave a little bit and, okay. and cut stuff out. But that, Not to give too much away. They have that whole appeal process, or at least they did. Where yeah, it's it doesn't like, mean you're going to win, though. No, Sometimes no, I know. people don't win. But that's the thing. I think if, if you lose the appeal... You have to take the NC-17 rating. Something no, like you that. can make the cuts. Okay. It means, <laughs> it means that that version, that's the end of that version. Okay. You're I, not I don't gonna know. win on that version. I remember he, listening to something about like you're taking some sort of a risk by going through the final appeal, but I don't know what the risk would be then. Well, there's it also costs money. Okay. To do this over and over again. So there's also a financial aspect to it, because a lot of, and what happened was they had to hire a lawyer, Miramax, oh, wow. to okay. fight this. Yeah. So there is always a financial thing, but they got the R rating and they moved forward. Not that it really ever played in that many screens anyway, but there are a lot of major chains that just won't even carry it. So you're talking like maybe one theater. Per it is kind of crazy though. You're like, what are you even fighting for? How how wide of a release were they going to get for this? Not very. Yeah. Clerks stars Brian O'Halloran as Dante Hicks, Jeff Anderson as Randall Graves, Marilyn Gigliotti as Veronica, Jason Muse as Jay, Kevin Smith steps in as Silent Bob, and Lisa Spoonauer as Caitlin Bree, and we'll talk more about Lisa later, R.I.P. She passed yeah. away a few years ago. If there was a queen to be had from the Viewisk universe... I love Caitlin Bree. Every man has a Caitlin Bree. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and she's I try not to think about it, but yeah. Jeff Anderson is great in this movie and he's in way more of it, but I I kind of think that Lisa Spooner might give the best performance in the movie. Yeah, you definitely buy her. She hits a home run where a lot of the other people in it do struggle at times. And like I said, she's only in a few scenes, so she doesn't have as many uh, lines to navigate because the dialogue can be tricky but she hits it out of the park she unfortunately struggled with illness for a long time and it was like an accidental prescription painkiller overdose after like a 10-year battle with cancer and and different illness she i mean she's only 44 which is a real shame that is a bummer the movie is a day in the life of two convenience store clerks named Dante and Randall as they annoy customers, discuss movies, and play hockey on the store roof. That's from IMDb. The movie takes place at Quick Stop Convenience Store and the neighboring RST video. I think I wonder if we, I'm sure we did, pointed out on our uh, the New Jersey trip, give us a second, that we were not that far away from... These filming sites. We were definitely considering it. We just didn't have enough time. Okay. Yeah. Ultimately, we did not make the Knight itinerary. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Kevin Smith's comic book store. 
the secret stash instead and were treated rudely. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, enough. (laughs) Plus, what were we going to do? Like, get out of the car and take a picture of it? I mean, I guess we could have, but I I feel like a lot of other people do that, and I just, I don't know. It seems, yeah, we were like the two convenience store clerks in the car, too cool to take a picture. (laughs) Yeah, just drive by it and look at it. (laughs) Not even stop. Oh, man. (laughs) Just look out the window real quick. (laughs) You're like, wait, did we drive by that gas station before? (laughs) The first thing I want to talk about, as far as when you hit play on the movie, is this fucking View Askew logo animation with the clown and the little boy. This is something that would have seemed hilarious in the 90s and is now so inappropriate. (laughs) And it made me think about the Zack and Miri make a porno discussion that we had where I was like, this is Kevin Smith's big chance to make money he thinks he's gonna like break out and ride a little bit of that apatel fame by casting rogan and elizabeth banks it's like gonna be this whole big thing the expectations are high and then he names it zach and miri make a porno and it's like self-sabotaging that's right yeah well obviously this is before kevin smith has had any success so including this logo is not self-sabotaging but it's that same very immature mentality of like oh isn't this edgy like isn't this upsetting there's no reason that the logo for this movie has to be this ridiculous really has like holes in the arm of the clown like when he is in the yeah underwear the thong and the garter and all that thing (laughs) he's got like heroin needle holes in his arms yeah just disturbing and it's got a very molester vibe because the child is right there yeah i mean it is a shocking amount of time on the show spent on this but it does seem like something that is so far away from anything that would appear in something affiliated with kevin smith over the past 20 years even for a movie that's this explicit to get an nc-17 initially from the mpa it still feels a little scuzzy and dirty even for this movie yeah even though these guys have like filthy mouths i don't know the characters in this movie don't seem like they're really be associated with something this dark (laughs) yeah because it's it's a whole other thing the movie opens with the word dante on the screen and they are named chapters throughout the movie i wrote a lot of them down i don't think i'm gonna actually say them for the most part because i think smith just randomly picked them out of the dictionary at the last minute okay some of them some of them fit some yeah right some of them some of them don't yeah really and some of them i don't really know what the word means oh i know (laughs) yeah well that's the thing it almost feels like he's trying to show off at times oh yeah there is definitely a little bit of that but i've heard him say that that was like a last minute thing and that he was just flipping through a dictionary and like coming up with these title cards to like stick in there okay like in a car on the way I don't know, maybe to like one of the first screenings or oh, something. Wow. I don't really know how they did it, but yeah, I remember he- I remember hearing that story at one point. Okay. The phone is ringing, and Dante, who is apparently sleeping in the closet, falls out of the closet to answer the phone. This is something that appealed to me greatly at the age that I first saw this wow, movie. Wow, yeah. I was in from that second. I was like, this is hilarious. He fell out of a closet. Now when I watch it, I'm like, it doesn't even make sense. Well, Why I is know. he sleeping in the closet? I was... In for a different reason, though, I'm I'm all of a sudden like, wow, I feel like I should try to sleep in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> Might be cozy. Yeah. Dante is called into work at the Quick Stop convenience store on his day off. 
this is a recurring theme throughout the movie that Dante is such a pushover. He doesn't stand up for himself. Yeah, very relatable qualities for me, although... Oh, yeah, I, I've literally wrote, Matt is a Dante. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As bad of an actor, too. I feel like over the last five years or more, maybe six, during a lot of our discussions oh, yeah. that we've had at various points i'm usually telling you to be like well just fuck it then just i know do this. You, you, and you're just like oh, i can't do that you were always the randall to my dante <laughs> yeah spitting water at people well that's the thing nobody is ever that randall. quite a, yeah. a randall and i have that in the notes here when we get to randall but randall's more of like the idealized version of this guy that we yeah. all wish we could be that but no one is quite that <laughs> that <guy>. insane <laughs> Yeah, but I, I will say, I don't think I, I really ever had, like, a job where I was getting, like, called in on my day off. But I did, and I said no every single I time. I would have been the person probably going in. I did, recently. In fact... As a second job, yeah. and I would always say no. <laughs> but I also probably would have figured ways around it, like, just shutting off my phone every time I was off. <laughs> that was the length that I would go to for things like that. Just any way to avoid confrontation... That's you think the about how early take. he gets there to open up the store. This phone call is coming in at an absurd time. Really? A house call? Yeah. Yeah. Dante's concerned because he has a, quote, hockey game, unquote, at 2 o'clock. Now, this hockey game is something that hangs over the movie as well. I'm sort of baffled by what it is. It never quite makes sense to me. I'm like, is this an organized league? They I, act as if it is, but then he, it clearly isn't. Right. He acts like there's something riding on this game. Like, hey, we're going to be in the playoffs if we win today or whatever. And I, I know that he's not playing in some amateur hockey league or something, but it does seem like it's an organized thing. Yeah, there clearly isn't. Right. It feels like there's more stakes on this game than just, OK, let's get together and play. And you well, know. that's funny to me. I just feel like they should make that clearer that it actually is something so meaningless. But that's the mentality you have when you're like 20 years old. Yeah. And you, your priorities are like dumbass things like that. That's funny. Right. But make that clear because the way they talk about it most of the time, you think that it is like part of a league or something. I don't know. Pickup sports were always so hard, too, because you could never get like the schedules to line up. At least if it was an organized league, it's like in the evening or I don't know, on the weekends or something, trying to line it up at the right times. But if you're just like trying to play a pickup game with a, a bunch of dudes, I just feel like you end up getting three of them. Well, now we're just supposed to do with three dudes. This is supposed to be a Saturday, right? I think I, so. I, I, is that clear? Yeah, I don't know. Technically, this takes place the day after Mallrats. I guess so, because this is a weekend, right? Because it's, his boss is going to Vermont for the weekend, I think, yeah. right? I think they do reference that it's Saturday. The only thing that I can't wrap my mind around is that Mallrats then is supposed to take place on a Friday, which just doesn't make sense to me. They both seem like they take place on Saturdays. Yeah, you wouldn't think there's that much foot traffic on a Friday at the mall. And nobody seems to have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a better time. Shockingly, I don't know if they actually thought all this stuff through or they just were like, hey, you know what? Let's connect to the Julie Dwyer thing and we'll just say that Mallrats is taking place the day before Clerks. And everyone's like, all right. Yeah. Well, there's also not that many people vested. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Kevin Smith seems like he's taken such a fall now from grace and, and relevancy, but... It's not like he ever really was like that big, ever. He was nowhere near a lot of the other guys 
that I mentioned in the indie era. They all oh, took sure. that next step yeah. and got bigger, and he never really got bigger. Not in terms of movies. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, boy. So Dante agrees to come in, but he's like, all right, you're coming in at 12. And he says, 12 or I walk, and the boss is supposed to come in. What is the responsibility level of this boss? I, I don't think this boss owns the store, right? Probably not, but... I mean, this is, like, crazy. I think the idea here is let's keep it vague. Okay. Let's not get too wrapped up in the details of the inner workings of the quick stuff. I'll, because I'll try not to sweat it, but it does seem kind of nuts that this No, I agree with you, but manager... I think that's just to, mo- to make it easier for the joke of him being stuck there and yeah, yeah. repeating over and over, I'm not even supposed to be here, which is like a recurring yes. thing. Okay. And to make that just seem simpler, because in reality... There would be other people, and this wouldn't happen, probably. You wouldn't just get stuck there from open to close, which is like 16 hours on your day off. Yeah. That just probably wouldn't happen. But in order to make it happen, they have to keep it vague. I do love that this was really a convenience store uh, adjacent to this a video rental. Same owners. Yeah. Kevin and some of his friends, including Brian Johnson and other people worked there and the quick stop is still there i don't know if it's the same owners i have no idea but i'm sure the video store is something else or gone. Well, sh- i mean we don't have a lot of those left <laughs> it'd be great if it was still there right. though. <laughs> the movie props itself up on the slacker mentality a very gen x thing a lot of the jokes and random gags and different things that pop up throughout sort of fit this mold Dante drinking out of the top of a cookie jar. He steals the newspapers when he realizes none have been delivered to Quick Stop. And this plays into that epicness that Randall will deconstruct at the end of the movie and sort of be like, why do we think this is such a great epic life that we're living? We're really just... Yeah, take a look around. (laughs) We're just doing a job that an ape could do or whatever he says. (laughs) Button pushers. Dante discovers when he gets to the store that someone has put gum in the locks, so he's forced to keep the shutters down except for the one on the door, which is, of course, convenient. It doesn't really make sense. Why wouldn't they put the gum in the one where the door is? Who cares about the windows? Yeah, I always thought that was strange. He puts a sign out front written in shoe polish that says, I assure you we're open with the use of a semicolon, which also sort of fits that glorified mentality of thinking that they're smarter and better than they are like why would you make a sign oh, I know. with a semicolon it's so stupid yeah why wouldn't it just say we're open you have to be funny and cute about it that sort Which of explains everything you need to know about dante right there makes for an iconic shot view outside the store with this sign if i was dante i would want people to think we're not open yeah me too <laughs> I mean- that's the sort of thing that i would do at, at jobs like that where anything I could do to make people not come in right. would be something I would try to do. Especially in a situation where you're already pissed because it's your day off. You're not sure, supposed to be Sure, yeah. There. There's people that make a lot more money and do things, I don't know, semi-more important than working at a convenience store that are way less vested. I just think that they would be like, yeah, I, I don't care. This is not my day to work. Well, deep down... He's a responsible guy, and it's sort of an anchor yeah, around him. That's true. He's afraid to be as rebellious as Randall. Randall like wants to show up just to show everyone how much he doesn't care about the job. <laughs> the movie consists of little 
skits and vignettes before it really hops into a story. And the first one is this guy that comes in and he ends up being a Chulis gum representative, but he's sort of masquerading as this anti-smoking guy. Imagine like being in sales and what you end up focusing on is gum. <laughs> like there's so many things with, with potentially high commissions out there. And it's just like, yeah, I'm a gum sales rep. He pulls out pictures of like a cancerous lung and he's doing this whole spiel. And as time grows, like people are like sort of congregating around him as he's yeah. proselytizing to them about the dangers of smoking. I forgot I probably shouldn't alienate our listeners that are potentially a uh, gum sales representatives. That's true. Harvey Weinstein was shown this film. I think he ended up attending a screening at Sundance on someone's recommendation, thinking like, oh, he'll be interested in buying this. He like walked out during this part because (laughs) he was like a heavy smoker at the time and then eventually had to be talked to go to another one and be like, you have to wait till they get to 37. Just wait till that. (laughs) Because he didn't like this part. The irony is that Kevin Smith was not a smoker at the time and then would become one for years after this. After saying all of this stuff about the dangers of smoking, they're calling Dante a cancer merchant throwing cigarettes at him. Dante is a pushover, obviously. Around this time, I was working at a grocery store. When people would come in to buy cigarettes, you'd have to like open up like a cabinet and go get oh, them. Oh, yeah. It's like a whole to-do. And then I was doing that. I hated this job. It was one of my first jobs. I always thought a grocery store would be the worst. It's like It's just too big. There's just too many things. It was well, I was just working at the cash register and I was going to like get this guy like these cartons of cigarettes and then like my friends came in. Oh no. And they're yelling cancer merchant at me <laughs> and distracting me and oh, then this boy. guy stole these cartons of cigarettes. Really? <laughs> yeah, he just like left. <laughs> Fired. The amount of times that my friends would be like talking to me at jobs and then people would steal stuff. Because that happened to me when I worked at Media Play at the mall, too. <laughs> this guy like runs out with a Blu-ray player or, some, or a DVD player. Right. And my friend's like, are you going to stop that guy? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do? Risk my life? Oh, God. Jay and Silent Bob appear. This is the first time we see them on screen. I feel good today, Silent Bob. We're going to make some money. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go to that party, we're gonna get some pussy. I'm gonna fuck this bitch, I'm gonna fuck this bitch. I'll fuck anything that moves! You know what the fuck you looking at? I'll kick your fucking ass. Shit, yeah. Throw that motherfucker on me 10 bucks. You know, fucking tonight we're gonna rip off this fucker's head, take out his fucking soul. Remind me if he tries to buy something from me, I'm gonna shit in the motherfucker's bag. Yo, what's up, baby? What's up, sluts? Shit. What's up, Bob? You're a rude motherfucker, you know that? You're cute as hell. I like to go down on you, suck you, line up three other guys, make like a circus seal. Ew, you fucking faggot. I hate guys. I love women. What you want, Grizzly Adams? Jay's opening monologue is hilarious. He also, by the way, just so young looking. Yeah, he might have only been like, 19 or something yeah that's true because he was always younger than them them like kevin smith and his crew this was one of the entry points for me into the whole kevin smith universe there was a friend at school who was telling me about these movies he was telling me about clerks which i had never seen and one of the things he told me was this opening monologue he was like doing it for me (laughs) oh wow 
And I was like, what is this movie? This sounds insane. Yeah. And everything that Jay says almost throughout the entire movie is problematic in one way or another. I can remember, it's funny you bring that up, because I, I can remember being in middle school and girls knowing the, the 15 bucks little man, that song and stuff. Yeah. But, but it's just kind of funny because you know that none of those people have seen these other movies would know like what Jay and Silent Bob are. And, like, I don't know. I would not have been surprised if a decent amount of people in my grade had watched Clerks. Okay. Not a majority, but... More than you would think. Well, at some point, though, in the late 90s or early 2000s, I mean, Jay and Silent Bob just became iconic for weed smokers. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just what it became. And that's like the height. High school definitely is like the height of people pretending like weed stuff is like super cool. Not like connecting Rick Darris to (laughs) multiple movies, you know? (laughs) Jay and Silent Bob are drug dealers who hang outside the quick stop all day. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kevin Smith's big problem in 2020. This is a little teaser for what we're going to talk about at the end about the rest of his career. Okay. I think that similarly to a lot of other Gen X guys, guys who wrote comedy, guys that wrote adult R-rated comedy, Apatow would be like another comparison they sort of embraced the idea of free speech and pushed Mm -hmm. the envelope of free speech. And in those days, being liberal, being a part of Hollywood, being on that side of the aisle was much more embracing of free speech. And it was more the conservative side that was sort of censoring things from a, like a religious point of view. And Kevin Smith yeah, has butted to... heads with religious people right. over dogma, over Zach and they Mary. Boycott his movies, but now <laughs> I know it, the tables have, have turned. Sort of switched. The and winds I'm not have changed. Making a whole big thing about which is better or any kind of thing like that. I'm just simply saying that things have changed, and it's left people like Kevin Smith sort of on an island, and they don't really know what to do. And I think. That's a big reason why there's a disconnect between his hardcore fans, a lot of them, his longtime fans like Matt and myself, and what he's been doing over the last 10 to 15 years. He just is no longer able to get away with a lot of the stuff that he got away with in his first four or five movies. There's other factors, too. There's only so many good scripts and good movies that people can make. The fact that I like even four or five of his movies is a high percentage. There's not that many directors that I would even say that about. And he wants to try new things. I get that. There's a lot of factors. But the big one is, and this is apparent with Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, his most recent movie, where he seems to be almost on like an apology tour for a lot of things yeah. that people perceive now about Chasing Amy or about sort of the humor that was in some of the other movies. I know. Everything is just sort of like ripping on itself and winking at the camera and yeah and just kind of being like, like it, oh basically a big part of his that? career is like don't all of my other movies suck yeah I know. other than clerks even though clerks does have problematic things like he won't trash clerks but I've, he's basically trashed every single thing he's ever done at some point all for the hope of getting a laugh yeah which is kind of depressing for people that are fans of his. One of the things that I think he is actually like funny about when it's like genuine is his self-deprecating humor. I think some of that has been some of my like oh, for sure. hardest laughs. But yeah, this is different. This is more like I understand that people are going to like feel weird about chasing Amy, so I'm going to try to 
tackle it head on, but it comes off as like kind of embarrassing and pathetic to like grovel to people that ultimately don't really care because not that many people see his movies anyway, except for people that really like him. So he's trying to appeal to people that aren't going to pay any attention to his movies anymore anyway. Really? But that's almost a whole other thing. Like the problem he faces now is that he cannot do the same sense of humor that got him famous in the first place because that is no longer acceptable in the world in which he flourished yeah so he's sort of a man without a country now and that's the same for a lot of people i think it's going to catch up to apatow as well i definitely think way less people care about his movies now than they did whenever it was like 40 year old virgin and knocked up oh yeah both have were huge hits yeah and both of those movies have things that haven't aged well probably too so it's a little bit different when you're like a Tarantino because people try to like cancel him or abandon him, but he just has like too much of a fan base and there's a certain amount of people that will always go to his movies and it's sort of yeah beyond being able to stop. But Kevin Smith, like just I said, was on. never b- that big. Yeah. So his audience dwindled naturally anyway and then yeah, it's know, hard he, to he imagine. would almost be better if he was still trying to just push the envelope and be like, fuck it. Yeah, it is hard, though. You don't really want to attract that type of vitriol on yourself. Yeah, the way I, the, and he's not that guy. Like yeah. That's the weird thing about this word policing and language policing and stuff that people do now. You're left with like a guy like Kevin Smith who would be eviscerated for some of the shit in his movies, and yet you know that he's like a good guy. Oh, I know. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I don't know if it's like right and i'm sure like obviously things continue to change over time and the way people like look at things and even the things that people would say continue to change but i think that he is simply capturing some dialogue that probably happened not too far off from like him and his friends and they weren't saying anything to be horrible yeah it was sort of how people were in the 90s for sure and yeah and, and even probably a lot to modern day and our perspectives change over time it's true but i think it's okay to say that yeah people thought and spoke like this at this time we like to think as a society we've gotten better well that's kind of like how that mid-90s movie was that joe hill made right they talked essentially like this maybe not quite as insane sure yep there was some language in there that was not 2020 ish but more appropriate to what people said in the 90s but that yeah. again is like a small movie under the radar the scene with the anti-smoking guy takes a turn for the worse a crowd is gathering they turn on dante it escalates until veronica shows up and breaks it up this is marilyn gigliotti you're spending what 20 maybe 30 dollars a week on your cigarettes yeah. 40 53 Fifty-three dollars a week on cigarettes. Come on, would you give somebody that much money each week to kill you? Because that's what you're doing now by paying for this so-called privilege to smoke. Hey man, we gotta croak sometime. It's that kind of mentality that allows the cancer-producing industry to thrive. Of course, we're all gonna die someday. But do we have to pay for it? Do we have to actually throw hard-earned dollars down on the counter and say, "Please, Mr. Merchant of Death, sir, please"? Sell me something that'll stick up my breath and my clothes and fry my lungs? Now, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, now here comes the speech about how he's just doing his job by following orders. Friends, let me tell you about another group of hate mongers that were just following orders. They were called Nazis. Yeah, that's right. Fucking Nazi. Yeah, and they practically wiped an entire nation of people off the earth just like your cigarettes are doing now. I think you're going to leave now. You want me to leave? 
Why? Because somebody's telling it like it is? Yeah. Somebody's giving these fine people a wake-up call? Yeah. No, you're loitering and closer to disturbance. I'm a disturbance? You're a disturbance, pal. You know, here, now I am a customer. I'm gonna buy some Chulies gum, all right? I'm a customer, engaged in a discussion with the other customers. Yeah, see, he's scared now, because he sees the threat we present. He smells the changes coming. You can smell it. You definitely are the source in this area, and we're going to shut you down for good. For good, cancer merchant! Cancer merchant! Cancer merchant! Who's leading this mob? <coughs> that guy. Freeze! Let's see some credentials. Slowly. You're a Chulis gum representative? Chulis? And you're stirring up all this anti-smoking sentiment. To what? Sell more gum? Get out of here. She has like a familiar look to me. Obviously, I know it's not from seeing her in other movies, but I don't know what it is. She like reminds me of somebody else or something. She was a little bit older than all of the other actors in the movie by about, like, eight years. Not to bash on these people who were amateurs and never really were like had a big career, but she does seem to have the most trouble with Smith's dialogue, which is definitely hard to deliver. Oh, sure. There's a lot of words. There's a lot the of, like, scenes word are long. play. Yeah. And plus, it's like you're having to carry on, like, pretty long scenes. Yes, and you're not getting a lot of takes, which is why some of these stumbling takes are sort of left in there. I, for people who haven't seen the movie, I don't want people to think that it's like that noticeable, but when you've watched it as many times as I have, you can kind of see. Yeah. There's a few times where people like pause for a second where they're trying to like get the word out right and stuff. Right. It's not supernatural. Veronica is Dante's girlfriend. She is sweet and reliable. She encourages Dante to re-enroll in college, but she's not, like, oppressive about it. When they're spending time together in this early morning moment, this is the first time Dante says, I'm not even supposed to be here today, which he will repeat over and over and over. Yes, it's the mantra of the movie. And even though that's probably one of the more defining lines of the movie, it's certainly not one of the most quotable to me. No. In fact, it almost comes off as annoying a lot of the most quotable stuff is just sort of the relentless slacker humor and clever stuff dante saying a bunch of savages in this town that's right i've always said this job would be great if it wasn't for the customers even the gag of putting the change and that sign about being honest on the counter is funny it's all very realistic but also the best possible version of realism where you're like, okay, this is somebody that spent a lot of time in this quick stop and thought up all of these gags that would work well. Dante and Veronica get into a conversation about how many sexual partners they've each had. Dante reveals that he's had sex with 12 women. I was like, wow. Seems very hard to believe. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Wasn't this, I mean, isn't like the AIDS scare going on still into the nineties? I mean, it's just, well, I would just like to see, I know. He's 12. <laughs> Although, to be fair, if one of them's Caitlin, it seems like he was doing pretty well. It seems like maybe if we would have moved to New Jersey, we'd be cleaning up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she says that she's only had sex with three guys, but then a guy named Willem Black, played by Scott Moser, comes in, and she refers to him after he leaves as Snowball. 
and she explains what a snowball is. Yeah. Hard Did to... they make that up for this movie? Because she says it's something Sylvan made up. I don't know. And I've never really heard it from anywhere else, but it seems like something that gets referenced now all the time. <laughs> Just in your daily life. Yeah. People are always talking about snowballing <laughs> each other. My parents. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of these things where it's like after your girlfriend is explaining to you what this is, you're like, I, I don't know. It's kind of maybe hard to look at you the same way after that. So a snowball is whenever you blow somebody and then spit the cum back into their mouth while making out. Yeah. And Dante, of course, is understandably horrified at this, but he <laughs> assumes that Veronica's friend Sylvan had done it to this guy. But then Veronica reveals that, no, in fact, she is the one that snowballed this guy. That's right. And he freaks out because she said she had sex with three people. This is almost predate. It is predating the Bill Clinton sex oh, scandal right. yeah. of, like, what is sex? And... <laughs> Dante, of, I, I don't know. I think nowadays, fuck, I, I keep saying nowadays as if this would change. I guess it's just all about perspective. I think once, I don't know, I th- it's hard to really see Dante's perspective once you've actually like dated people. And if he has sure. really had sex with 12 women, then, which is probably a lie, but I feel like I you know. would understand that oral sex is not, the same for people yeah i don't know it seems nuts to compare the two but not to get into like our own numbers or anything but i mean would you count no a blowjob as having sex with i would somebody? not no yeah it, uh, so i just don't really think it really makes sense although when she does give the number at first she says 36 and then he freaks out and he's like is that including me and then she's like well i guess 37 <laughs> Not to slut shame. No, I know. Well, that's the but thing. But that seems high to just announce that number. It does seem crazy. And I know that is the thing. Like, the first leap to defense is like, all right, guys, come on, no slut shaming. But it does seem kind of wild. I do feel like I Well, would... I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it's wild. Now, if you're like, you're a slut, you're a whore. You're, no, no, you're... no. I wouldn't think that Dante should break up with her. But I do think that you could say, wow, that is kind of high. I think it would be fair if he was like, I don't know if I'm really attracted anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) No, more so for me, I I think I would just be, like, intimidated. Like, holy shit. You sucked that guy's dick? Yeah, how do you think I knew that he... Wait, but you said you only had sex with three different guys. You never mentioned him. Because I never had sex with him. You sucked his dick. We went out a few times. We never had sex, but we fooled around. Oh, my God. Why did you tell me you only had sex with three different guys? Because I did only have sex with three different guys. That doesn't mean I didn't just go with people. Oh, my God. I feel so nauseous. Sorry, Dante. I thought you understood. I did understand. I understood that you had sex with three different guys, and that's all you said. Please calm down. How many? Dante. How many dicks did you suck? How many? Shut up a second, and I'll tell you. Jesus. I didn't freak out like this when you told me how many girls you fucked. This is different. This is important. How many? Well? Something like 36? What? Something like 36? Who are you, boys? Wait, wait, what is that anyway, something like 36? Does that include me? I'm 37. I'm 37? I'm going to class. Oh, my God. 
37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? Hey, where you going? Hey, listen, jerk, until today, you never even knew how many guys I slept with because you never even bothered to ask. Then you act all nonchalant about fucking 12 different girls. Well, I never had sex with 12 different guys. No, but you sucked enough dick. Yeah, I went down on a few guys. A few? And one of those guys was you, the last one I might add, which if you're too stupid to comprehend means that I've been faithful to you since we met. All the other guys I went with before I met you. So if you want to have a complex about it, go ahead, but don't look at me like I'm the town whore because you were plenty busy yourself before you met me. Well, why did you have to suck their dick? I mean, why couldn't you sleep with them like any other decent? Person. Because going down isn't a big deal. I used to like a guy we'd make out, and sooner or later I'd go down on him. But I only had sex with the guys I love. I feel sick. I love you. Don't feel sick. Every time I kiss you, I'm gonna taste 36 other guys. I'm going to school. Maybe later you'll be a bit more rational. I'm 37. I just Goodbye, can't. Goodbye, Dante. Hey, try not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. This scene is another scene that my friend explained to me and did lines from verbatim before i had seen this movie so this and the j opening monologue i was like i have to see this movie immediately oh yeah this went to the top of what are we running next list (laughs) i was like holy fuck and Uh, this movie i should say i don't even know if we've even sold this enough this movie in particular specifically clerks at one point could have been considered my favorite movie that was probably like a very brief window yeah this is one of those iconic, important movies. I don't want to sound ridiculous, but you almost life-changing in a way where it changes like your perspective. It opens doors into like other stuff you're into. All of a sudden, it's influencing how you talk and yeah. communicate with your friends. This was a big deal. I watched this movie a ton of times. I was excited to see something like this based on the descriptions from my friend of like, I can't believe people are talking like this in a movie. This is completely (laughs) insane. And this scene is hilarious. They're saying this stuff in front of customers. Oh, I know. He's like flipping out. And then he says, my girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. And that guy's just like in a row. Yeah. Which is insane how funny that line is. But I do just think about the number. I know the actress is older than all of them, but it's like. She's oh yeah, she's like in college, college, so she's like. I mean, I just you know, wouldn't 20, even 21. have thought to be in that many different scenarios to have that many sexual encounters by this age. It does seem like a shocking number. I know that we're probably not coming off great during this whole discussion, but, but we never do. So it is a high number for somebody who you think is in their early twenties. Does that make her like a bad person? No. no, but it's just it is something you'd have to get used to that idea. I think it's okay to find this news surprising. Dante says, why couldn't you sleep with them like any decent person? Which is another (laughs) great line. And then, of course, just... I do think that's funny, though. Well, like, the idea of... It's almost like her blowing 36 dudes is worse than her sleeping with 36 dudes. Yeah, and I think that's that's, kind of the joke. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that's funny. Well, I do think that there are probably people out there who consider that act more intimate because of, you know, where it's going. (laughs) You have to be a trooper. (laughs) And then just the finale of the scene, an incredible moment of him following her out the door. And he says, try not to suck any dick on your way through the parking lot. Now, at that point, okay, so he flips out and she's like, all right, this is news, perhaps... I'm okay that he's reacting a little harshly here. That seems like he's really kind of crossing the line when he definitely, he but it's yeah. funny. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. There's a more than a, t- a tinge. There's more than a tinge of 
misogyny running oh, throughout this yeah. entire right. thing. And there are times where it flares up very bad. And people nowadays, they don't have the ability to take that and be like, well, this is like a depiction of something. It's not an endorsement of it. But as you were saying about whether you're talking about the gay jokes or the explicit language or whatever and ta- saying like this is how people talked before a very enlightened time like the one we live in now where sure. everyone's super woke the misogyny in clerks which is never like dangerous or terrible but it's always present was very common and everyday life oh yeah for a lot of people we can look back on that and say, well, maybe things have improved a little bit. Maybe they haven't. Maybe people just sort of sure. push that under the radar a little bit. But I will say that nothing about the misogyny in this feels not real. It feels yeah. very genuine well, for the time. Even beyond sure. that, though, even in these woke times we live in, I think it's fair to say that people still react emotionally to the to things and say things that they don't mean when they're angry which is something that could be happening here like well this is a pretty surprise thing it is he was not expecting this he reacts emotionally to things i'm like he's still because like i'm like he still has feelings like he hasn't reached our point in life yet where it's just like (laughs) why would you care about anything but i mean there's more than just him yelling this at her as she's leaving there's a whole well, sure. Yeah. There's a trail of it throughout the entire movie. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And it's weird because you would think that Randall, who seems more problematic, would be the guilty party, but it's mostly Dante and just the way that he treats yes. Veronica and Caitlin and just the whole ordeal. Absolutely. It's very selfish, to say the least, and you could potentially yeah. chalk it up to misogyny if you wanted to get real technical about it. I would say, though, that Dante has always come off as a douchebag to me in this movie. Yeah, there's definitely, like, a whiny douche quality. Yeah. Randall finally shows up. He's late. He spends his day pranking customers, being rude to customers, ignoring them. The reality of this character, Randall, is this guy would be such an asshole he would be unbearable. Yes. However, <laughs> whether it's the combination of Smith's writing or Jeff Anderson's portrayal or, or a little bit of both or, or whatever the deal is. There's like some degree of charm there. Randall becomes aspirational, especially for guys of a certain age. You wish you could be this guy. And frankly, by the time he shows up in this movie, it's the shot and the arm that it needs because even though the 37 scene is hilarious the first time you watch this movie you might be getting a little nervous that it's going to be like all dante yeah and and not a lot of laughs you can see that he would start wearing thin even though like i said the 37 scene is right before this and it is one of the best scenes in the movie by this point you're kind of like okay i need something else and then randall shows up and takes it over basically they spend a big portion of the day hanging out and talking and this like i said I had my own little phase of this. My friend Chaz worked at a gas station for, I don't know, probably like two years off and on or a few years off and on. We were in college, so early 20s. Having a friend named Chaz that works at a gas station feels like a plot element of a 90s movie. Yeah, and I would go and hang out for hours Yeah, sometimes and just take a bev. (laughs) <laughs> talking talk laughing. about movies yeah just saying whatever Chaz pitching an inappropriate movie script <laughs> that i don't even want to repeat <laughs> what it is right just stuff like that during this time period 
having a lot of laughs and then him getting off when the store closed and then like going to a bar or something yeah <laughs> it is quite a life even when that was happening i wasn't really even comparing it to clerks in my mind and now looking back i was like yeah i was basically just like hanging out like it was clerks at a gas station people would come in we would just sort of look at them <laughs> like what are you doing here the bathroom was like a separate outbuilding okay. and you had to have a key wow and there was this I know the guy type. that came in to use the bathroom he was like an older guy oh, m- no. much like the guy in clerks asked for a specific kind of magazine <laughs> they didn't sell those kind of magazines or else i probably would have been just openly <laughs> reading them like randall does and he comes back and he's <laughs> he was talking about how the bathroom was like full of mouse poops and he kept saying poops oh, no. it's like there's like 37 mouse poops in there he kept saying mouse poops and we were i mean i was crying laughing like tr- ducking behind like a stack of potato chips or something and chess like having to talk to this guy <laughs> just stuff like that yeah <laughs> so this was a lot like clerks like the customers coming in were just the worst really Caitlin Bree hangs over the proceedings. Dante reveals that he was on the phone late at night with Caitlin, and this conversation between Dante Randall is a way for the audience to learn about the history of Dante and Caitlin, their yeah. high school relationship. It also makes me think about, I don't know, like keeping in touch with people back then it was just such an effort. I think the effort, though, led to people actually doing it more. That's now true. it always feels like, oh, yeah, I could text whenever, but you sort of just don't do it, and then it fades just, away. Right. But if you had to, like, if you wanted to, you could force yourself to make those calls, and then you're still connected. Caitlin cheated on Dante relentlessly, but <laughs> he's been carrying the torch for her for y- years. Your notes, Dante equals Matt. <laughs> Randall discovers in the newspaper that there's a wedding announcement for Caitlin Bree as she is going to marry an Asian design major. Not really sure why his ethnicity is always a part of his description. Yeah, that is strange. It feels so specific the that news, I feel like it's a reference to something in his real life. That's yeah, it feels that way. The, the most news em- prints it this way. The most embarrassing scene in the entire movie is when Dante calls the newspaper to see if it's a misprint. And is, like, adamant that it is. Yeah. Like, he's really like, are you sure it's not a misprint? And you can't hear the other end of the conversation, but he's, like, responding to it. And he's like, a concerned party? A concerned party? <laughs> well, I'm an ex-boyfriend who she's been talking to. And once you start that, it's oh, like, no. oh, Yeah, God. hang up, hang up. <laughs> I don't care if she's my cousin now. I'm going to knock those boots again tonight. Uh, look who it is, the fucking human vacuum. Scumbag, what are you doing? I'm not just saying I saw Bob and his cousin. He's your cousin? Yeah, and he's from Russia, too. No way. What part of Russia? I don't fucking know. Do I look like his fucking biographer? Oh, what part of Russia are you from? Moscow. He only speaks Russian? Nah, he speaks some English, but he cannot speak it good like we do. Is he staying here? Nah, he's moving to the big city this week. He wants to be a metal singer. No way. I swear, Olaf, metal. That's his fucking metal face. Olaf, girl, nice. Scarlet neck. That's fucked up, man. What did he say? I don't know, man, but this guy's a character. He really wants to play metal? Yeah, he's got his own band in Moscow. It's called Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans or something like that. That doesn't sound metal. You gotta hear him sing Olaf Berserker. Come on, man, Berserker. Does he sing in English or Russian? 
In English, come on, berserker. Girls think sexy. I'll watch what he's gonna sing and watch it's too funny. My love for you is like a truck bouncer. Would you like some making fuck That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? The movie's full of acid wash jeans, jersey hair. There's a cat in the store that's taking a shit in a litter box right on the counter. Yeah, that's gross. Dumbass customers. Jane Silent Bob hanging out outside with is it Bob's cousin Olaf? Whose cousin is that? I don't know. This Singing is like Berserker. The most random character, but really makes this part of the movie. The movie's dotted with little things like that, like him singing the Berserker song outside that sort of keep it funny whenever Dante is sort of wrapped up in his bullshit trying to figure out what's going on with Caitlin and sort of yeah. juggling Caitlin and Veronica. There's some Star Wars talk, which is reminiscent of stuff that Tarantino was doing. Clerks came out the same year as Pulp Fiction. This would have been a few years after Reservoir Dogs. Right, this is the the contractors working on the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Now, the first one was completed and fully operational before the Rebels destroyed it. Luke blew it up. Give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. Uh, not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids to two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, what are you talking about? The ending of Return of the Jedi. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when they was destroyed by the rebels. Well, I'm a contractor myself. I'm a roofer. Done and ready home improvements. And speaking as a roofer, I can tell you roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs. Like when? Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills. A beautiful house. Tons of property. A simple reshingling job. They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. The thing about this scene that always struck me as funny is how callous this roofer guy is oh, about his friend getting murdered. Yeah. Just completely I no too. emotion about it. Like, killed by the mob. And you have to wonder, like, did he tell his friend? I know. That this was, like, a potentially dangerous job? Did his friend know that? That's the thing. It's not like he says, like, colleague. He says friend, right? 
Yeah, so to explain what we're talking about, Randall's making the point that in The Return of the Jedi, the Death Star is incomplete when it's destroyed by the Rebels. And so, theoretically, there would have been outside contractors working to complete the construction, and those people would get killed too when Lando destroys it. So were those like innocent people? And then this guy who happens to be in the store is a roofer, and he chimes in saying he turned down a job because it was at a famous gangster's house, and it wasn't worth the risk. Those contractors on the Death Star knew what they were getting into. He refers his friend. His friend ends up getting murdered during a botched hit job. And the way that he just sort of is like, yeah, this happened. Yeah. No emotion about it. <laughs> it's just, it's really funny. I guess and bizarre. it's just, you know, contractors, that industry, a lot of deaths. Some of the swings and misses for me, damn, that's eerie. Talking about all the prices ending at nine. Mm-hmm. Not funny. Yeah. The egg testing with the guidance counselor. Right. I will say that Kevin Smith's sister, who plays the manually masturbating caged animals woman, pretty hot. Okay. I was kind of feeling his sister a yeah. little bit. Not as much as I was feeling Jay's friend, the human vacuum, <laughs> <laughs> who I think was played by the girl that did the makeup on the movie or something, okay. which I was like, are these people wearing makeup? They look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Randall sells cigarettes to a very small child. Yeah. I think the first time I ever saw this, this was like even kind of a shocking sight. It, the girl is so young that it's ridiculous. It's insane. They it, make it so he's like not looking up. Yeah. But then he does remember it Although later. Later he's like, oh, that girl. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of an embarrassing thing that happened to me when I worked at the aforementioned media play, which oh, was no. a store like part of the same. You sold an explicit as, uh, content CD to an underage. So this was. A store that sold like a little bit of everything. It was the same thing as like Suncoast and Sam Goody, the same family. I was on the news oh, in an no. undercover expose of a <laughs> underage kid buying a mature rated video game. Holy shit. Now you sold it to him? Yeah. I, so I was the cashier on the news. <laughs> <laughs> Just a total dope. And the reason why it even came to my attention was a girl from school thought that her brother was going to be in this news thing. So she taped it. Oh, wow. And then she saw it and recognized me and then told me about it and brought the tape in. Holy shit. And so I, I like, brought the tape home and, like, watched it. And, it, I mean, it was so ridiculous. I wish we could get it up on, like, YouTube and, like, put the link. You know what? Episode. I never gave her that tape back, but who has who a knows? VCR? That yeah. tape was probably thrown away years ago. <laughs> now, I you should like, I'm keeping point this. out that I don't know what it's like now. But this was a long time ago, and there was no law about video games. There was never any, even any guidance at our store about it. It seems so weird to even think. I can remember being a kid, and like there were video games that they, you had to be a certain age to buy. I think some stores probably enforced it back then. I think all stores do now. I don't think you could go to GameStop as a little kid and buy like an, a mature game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's I probably think true. that's the but, rule now. Yeah. But back then, it was not even anything discussed. It was just the news pointing that out. Like, hey, kids are able to just buy any video game they want. Yeah. And I happen to be the jackass. (laughs) I'm, like, handing the kid, like, a Playboy. They, like, come in and just, like, write you some fine. (laughs) Well, that was the thing. There was no fine because there was no law, really, about it. But to tie it back to Clerks. Yeah. If it was Clerks. They then have the conversation about jizz moppers. Which is completely insane, and they do that like right in front of a customer as well. 
this is Walt Flanagan, Kevin Smith's friend. He Who's plays virtually roles, every yeah. part. <laughs> and the customer freaks out, and Randall is like, well, if you think that's bad, take a look at this. And he puts a porno magazine in front of the guy's face. Wow. And when I watched this on VHS and DVD even for the first however many times in my life, it was always sort of blurry and you could never really make anything out. But I noticed on the Blu-ray that the crystal clear clarity now, you can definitely see a beaver some, shot. Uh, I mean, it is a pretty explicit anatomy. picture. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, well, that would be NC-17 maybe. Well, that's what happens <laughs> over time. As, as these, like, they keep getting better and better scans of these movies, there's things that... You know, oh yeah, there's people that did nude scenes in the 70s and 80s that you probably could barely make anything out, and now they're like re-releasing them on 4K, and they're like, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought was funny about the Halloween 2018 version, where they replay that nude scene of the okay, sister right, when yeah. he murders the sister, and I was like, if you were that actress. You did something 40 years ago. I know, you're ago. like, it's finally going away. I'm sure you never thought this movie was going to be a big deal. It turns into this huge thing that gets re-released constantly. <laughs> never goes away. And now they're playing it in theaters. Just your nude scene. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this just never ends. Why do you do things like that? You know he's only going to come back and tell the boss. Yeah, who cares? That guy's an asshole. Everybody that comes in here is way too uptight. This job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. Jesus, I'm gonna hear from the boss tomorrow. Oh, would you loosen up? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. Why? I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. You liar. Tell me there aren't customers that annoy the piss out of you on a daily basis. There aren't. Why can you lie like that? Why don't you vent? Vent your frustrations. Come on, who pisses you off? Well, I guess it isn't customers in particular. Maybe just a group of customers. Well, let's hear it. Well, the milkmaids. The milkmaids? The women that go through every gallon of milk looking for that later date, as if somewhere beyond all the other gallons is a container of milk that won't go bad for like a decade. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? So, do you have any new movies in? Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. Ooh, Navy Seals! It's like in order to join, they have to have an IQ less than their shoe size. You think you get stupid questions? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's noise? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? So, how much is this thing anyway? <laughs> Do you sell hubcaps for a 72 Pinto hatchback? Dante has a one-track mind. He's completely distracted and wrapped up in what's going on with Caitlin. But Veronica returns with lasagna. They make up. Kind of an impractical lunch to bring, though. I know. I thought that was crazy. This thing has always bothered me, though, this little moment here. She says twice. She actually says this twice. Okay. See you when you close, then. At this point in the movie, Dante thinks he's leaving any minute because oh, just yeah, earlier right. in this conversation, he says, well, the boss hasn't come in yet, but any minute now. She just had that foresight. She knew yeah. where the day was headed. She knew she was dating him, Matt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just going to work the rest of the day. Shortly after she does leave, though, Dante finds out the boss went to Vermont, and so he's stuck there until closing. We've made a lot of jokes. Would you really stay if this happened to you? 
I don't know. I probably would. But just because I'd feel like, well, what am I supposed to do? The Lock store's the supposed store to be leave. open. Yeah, that's the other thing. I guess, I don't know, though. I'm so... <laughs> like oh, I would have 100% left. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's a good chance I would have stayed, which is just a sad statement about myself. Well, I think there's a lot of people that would stay. Randall gives Dante some shit. Ever backing down is his MO, and Randall's not having it. Dante's very concerned about this hockey game, which leads to the rooftop hockey segment of the movie. There's a lot of buildup, too, but comes and goes pretty quickly. I would say that this is one of the more iconic things from the movie, and it's yet always I feel referenced. like it's completely stupid. Yeah. And it's a terrible part of the movie. I feel like... It, yeah, in any description about the movie, it always seems to be sprinkled in. If it's like a four, I guess people like, thought it was original and reading. interesting and unique. Or IMDb, but yeah, I don't know. I guess the idea is funny. Okay, they're just gonna play hockey on the roof, but there it's, wouldn't be any room. It's so impractical. It seems super dangerous. Yeah, actually. they're on in skates. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's ridiculous. I felt like there was a callback in Clerks too when they do the dancing scene. I on agree. The roof of yeah. the movies. But they have way bigger walls on the roof that they're on in Clerks too. I think, I think there was little things on there too. A little but bit, but I I still felt like you could easily like get checked into it, and go flying over. Yeah, it's just it's so impractical that it's one of those things that's like theoretically funny, but it's just I don't know. It never really worked for me. I don't, I don't love it. Yeah, but they, like I said, I mean it it does come and go like so quick. Yeah, the game is aborted early after their one ball is lost. An old man then comes into the store saying he needs to take a shit. Yeah. And there's just an employee bathroom. This is another moment where Dante is such a pushover. If I was in this store and it was an employee bathroom, there is a 0% chance this guy would be using it. Yeah. I'd be like, go in the street then. I don't care. Get out. (laughs) Anywhere else. But Dante Kays lets him in. The man wants better toilet paper. Then he comes back and he wants a porno mag, which is pretty funny. (laughs) I know. And it is one of those things, though, where it's like you would think, okay, I'm trying to be nice here, but I get this, too. It's just like, well, I've already committed to, like, being pushed over, so I guess I'm just going to go along with the rest of this. It's one of those things where you know it's wrong and ridiculous to give this guy a porno mag, but at the same time, you're probably also thinking, like, well, what difference does it make at this point? Really? Just get this guy away from me. Anything to get this over with. But then Randall shows up with the announcement that a young lady named Julie Dwyer has died, and this is the big Mallrats connection. She's fucking dead? The girl that dies that causes T.S.'s girlfriend. That's right. Then have to be in the game show. It's a chain of events. Randall points out, hey, wasn't she one of the illustrious 12? I feel like this was a missed opportunity on a joke. Could have said, hey, wasn't she one of the dirty dozen? Which would have been way better. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've got notes for the script. (laughs) Revisionist. However, Dante is interested in going to the wake. He is feeling a loss. This is somebody that he knew and had sex with at some point. Yeah. He wants to go to the wake, but it turns out the wake is that day. Dante wants to go and leave Randall to watch the store. Randall refuses to stay behind because, as he puts it, this is going to be the social event of the season. Wow. What a way to look at it. <laughs> it's like, okay. I get it, though. Yeah. 
Because Dante's like, you barely knew her. And he's like, yeah, but everyone's going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) On the way there, Randall tells the story of his cousin Walter who broke his neck trying to suck his own dick. Yeah, we all have a cousin like that. I'm probably that cousin (laughs) (laughs) for for some people. (laughs) Thanks for putting me in such a tough spot. You're a good friend. She's pretty young, huh? 22, just like us. Embolism in a pool. What an embarrassing way to die. That's nothing compared to how my cousin Walter died. How did he die? He broke his neck. That's embarrassing? He broke his neck trying to suck his own dick. Shut the hell up. I swear. Stop it. Bible truth. Oh my god. Come on. Haven't you ever tried to suck your own dick? No. Yeah, right. You're so repressed. Because I never tried to suck my own dick? No, because you won't admit to it. As if a guy's a fucking pervert because he tries to get out on himself. You're as curious as the rest of us, pal. You've tried it. Who found him? My cousin? Mom found him. It was a mess. He was on his bed. His legs doubled over himself. Mom freaked out. Made it, huh? in his mouth. Yeah. Balls resting on his lips. Wow, really made it. Yeah, but at what a price. I can never reach. Reach what? You know. What, your dick? Yeah, like you said, I guess everybody gets curious and tries it sometime. I never tried it. Fucking pervert. The events of Julie Dwyer's wake were actually scripted by Smith, but were not filmed due to the prohibitive cost of producing the scene. So for the 10th anniversary Clerks X DVD release, the scene was produced in color using an animation style similar to that of Clerks, the animated series. They also did this scene in the Clerks comics. Okay. As it is in the movie, it's fine, though, because it's fun to imagine yeah. what happens at this wake when Dante and Randall come running out I think it chased. works perfectly. Because it, it, it's almost like a jolt back into the movie, too. Because we've kind of like slowed to a snail's pace, it feels like, at this point. And then these two come out, and everything is like adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. You know, something wild just happened. They do reference they knocked over the coffin, and the body came out, which is reminiscent of Pet Cemetery for me. But also, when they get back to the store, it's dark. And so That's right. It's kind of ramping yeah. up towards the end of the movie. I watched this scene for the first time recently. They try to tie in Alyssa Jones from Chasing Amy. It's mildly funny, although it's completely ridiculous. I don't feel like the version that they produced is the same as what Smith originally wrote. There's I'm no sure. way. Yeah. It seems like he added a bunch of different stuff, but I like it as it is. Randall then wants to borrow Dante's car to go rent a movie at a better video store. Dante, understandably, is still pissed about the incident at the wake, but he, of like, course, caves. Yeah. Because he just doesn't want to deal with it. Anytime he's confronted with any sort of conflict, he wants to just get out of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I get it. After Randall leaves to go rent the video, this guy comes in who's sort of like a personal trainer, and then a girl comes in, and the two of them are sort of commenting on and judging Dante's body and how in shape he may or may not be. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, this scene is insane, and nothing like this ever really happened to me, and yet it feels so real. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Where you're just like, 
you have this insane day. I always had this thing where I would be like, I feel like I have this complex where people say things to me that I don't think they would say to other people. And this scene <laughs> reminds me of that. It just spirals out of control. It starts innocently enough, and then it just keeps escalating to the point where it almost becomes a conflict between the two of them where he's like determined to prove that Dante's out of shape. And of course Dante wants no part of any of this really, and yet can't get out of it. And then it's revealed that his name is Dante or that the girl's name is whatever. And she's the sister of Alyssa Jones, who's new Caitlin. And then all of a sudden there's a connection. The girl knows that he used to date Caitlin. And then this guy who turns out to be a guy named Rick Darris. Oh yeah. He knew Caitlyn and used to fuck her when she was dating Dante, which, which is for another reason, cheating incident that he didn't even know about. Yeah, I mean, how much of a dick are you, though, that you're just like, I'm going to bring this up? <laughs> he's like, don't take this the wrong way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a good preface to anything. Really? <laughs> As these two are still in the store, Dante gets fined for selling the cigarettes to a kid. This all seems stupid. The guy has a briefcase with stickers on it. It seems like it was the only briefcase that Kevin Smith had access to to sure. do this movie. Yeah. The the fine is just this guy comes in and hands him a piece of paper, doesn't look for proof of ID. I, it's insane. no proof that he yeah, was the one that actually sold him the like, cigarettes. It's just it's ridiculous. It has any basis in reality. Rick Darris and this girl are disgusted and they leave, and then right as they leave, Caitlin shows up. Boom. We're, Heart we're about- alone kicks on. I always thought it was ridiculous how fast she's right there at the door because she would have had to have seen. Well, she says that she saw them, but she would have had to have talked to them. They literally go right out the door and then it's like Dante and he turns and it's like Caitlin. If she knew those two people, which she does, she would have had to have like acknowledged them in some yeah. way. It felt too fast, but whatever. We're about an hour into the movie. I'm going to play. Shockingly, two hours into the podcast. Are we? I, no, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to play a clip of Kevin Smith doing a little bit of a tribute to Lisa Spoonhour as the closing clip at the very end of this podcast. And during that, he refers to her character, Caitlin Bree, as like the shark in Jaws. Mm. How she shows up at the end of the movie. We've been talking about her the whole time. We finally see her, how she had to hit it out of the park. Dante... And Caitlin go over to the video store. So Dante now acting a little bit like Randall, who periodically throughout the day just closes the video store and walks over. <laughs> I do like that move. So now Dante's acting like Randall and right. closing the quick stop to well, go over Caitlin, to the video store. Well, uh, does make Dante act a motherfucking fool. Like, he yeah. will throw out you know, oh, his yeah. normal rules when Caitlin's in the mix. I had to hit pause right as this big scene is starting because I was just like so overwhelmed by this. Because I was sort of sad about the Lisa Spoonhour aspect of it, but also... It's always a whirlwind of emotions with you. Oh, God, I know. Anything now, just (laughs) wiping tears away from my face, just constantly. Almost every day about something. And it's usually something not real. (laughs) If anything real, I don't react at all. But if it's like a movie or a commercial or something... Or someone who was in a movie that you liked 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, somebody died three years ago who was in a movie I liked 26 years ago. (laughs) I can't deal with it. Really? (laughs) But it was more than just her. It was this whole character. It was this scene. Sure. The way she talks to Dante in this unbroken, nailed it on the first take, seven 
minute and 40 something second scene of them talking in the video yeah store. she's good lisa spoonhour actually is pretty great in this movie this scene is awesome it gives her side of the story we find out her mother posted the wedding announcement she doesn't really want to get married to this guy named sang <laughs> she says that he's great past tense she would have to be like a housewife and not pursue her career she's invested a lot of time uh, i would be like that sounds great to me i do love dante's reaction which is just like yeah 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 yeah. but what about me though like i had oh, to have I something know. to do with this and she eventually confirms this more or less yeah. she rushed back to new jersey she was going to college in ohio comes all the way back to new jersey because she seems panics like a hike that dante's gonna freak over this wedding announcement he did <laughs> And essentially, she wraps this scene up by saying that she chooses him, and not really a big surprise, he chooses her. Okay. Even though we know Veronica, Veronica's done all this nice stuff for him, she seems like a steady, realistic, serious girlfriend. If you're Dante, though, it's just like, dude, when are you going to realize she's chosen a lot of dudes? He's still in that stage where he thinks that there's going to come a day where she's matured and she's not going to be like that anymore. She's going to realize this nice guy that she had in Dante. Right. And she sort of echoes this stuff later when she's confronted by Randall. Yeah, I agree. She's like, well, I'm going to give the old guy a real chance now and all this stuff. But you always have to be suspect of the motivations when this kind of stuff happens. She's probably freaking out. Because she doesn't really want to marry the Sang guy. But that doesn't mean that getting back with Dante is a good idea. Right, or what she really wants. Exactly. Randall rents a tape from Big Choice that I don't even know if we want to touch this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Best of both worlds. That is, I don't know, pretty wild. Dante's happy, though, when Randall gets back, and Randall can't figure out why, especially when Dante tells him about the $500 fine for the cigarettes. That's right. And he tells him, like, Caitlin showed up. And Caitlin says in that conversation, oh, it's just the shock of seeing me after three years. As if they haven't even seen each other in three years and just have been talking on the phone. Yeah. So I feel like him telling Randall, like, oh, Caitlin is here, that is, like, shock of shocks really like should what, be. out of nowhere yeah. randall is like you've had quite a night <laughs> <laughs> something i would say <laughs> just focused on watching his porno <laughs> really he's distracted caitlin returns to the stores while dante is at home getting ready to go out unclear what he's planning on telling veronica at this point especially since veronica was like oh i'll see you when you are done well they were talking about (laughs) hanging out after and they were talking about doing dinner in a movie i'm like what time is the store closing i think the closing time said 10 or 10 30 yeah not a lot of dinner and movie time after that i think back then you could go see late movies okay the dinner and a movie part does sound strange yeah but of course she's throwing out walking the boardwalk and getting naked (laughs) I'm like, okay, yeah, Caitlin seems like a fun time. She's a good time, girl. Well, Randall Graves, scourge of the video renter. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Asian Design Major herself, Caitlin Bree. You saw that article? God, isn't it awful? My mother sent that in. I take it she likes the guy. You'd think she's marrying him. What are you watching? Children's programming. What'd your mom say when you told her you weren't engaged anymore? 
She said not to come home until after graduation. Wow, you got thrown out for Dante? What can I say? He does weird things to me. Ooh, can I watch? You can hold me down. Can I join in? You might be let down. I'm not a hermaphrodite. Hey, if you are. So what makes you think you can maintain a relationship with him this time around? A woman's intuition. Something inside me says it's time to give the old boy a serious try. Wow. Hey, you know, you and I have something in common. We both eat Chinese. <laughs> Dick. Exactly. So where is he? He went home and changed for the big date. God, isn't he great? No. This is great. Can I use your bathroom? There's no lights back there. Why aren't there any lights? Well, there are, but for some reason they stop working at 514 every night. You're kidding. Nobody can figure it out. The boss doesn't want to pay the electrician to fix it because the electrician owes money to the video store. <laughs> Such a sordid state of affairs. And I'm caught in the middle, torn between my loyalty for the boss and my desire to piss with the lights on. Well, I'll try to manage. Oh, hey, Caitlin, break his heart again this time and I'll kill you. Nothing personal. You are very protective of him, Randall. You always have been. Territoriality. He was mine first. Oh, that was so cute. <sighs> Caitlin and Randall have a little bit of a moment where Randall is questioning her motives. Maybe he's protective. Yeah. Of Dante and being like, if you hurt him again, I'll kill you. That's right. <laughs> but they have like a good chemistry, which it's hard to imagine Randall actually like talking to girls because he just seems so caustic all the time. It's just so horrible. Jeff Anderson and Lisa Spoonhour were married for a while. They hooked up on this movie. Yeah. And I guess they, you know, they got divorced pretty quickly. But from what Kevin Smith was saying, it seems like they stayed really good friends. So, yeah, good for Jeff Anderson because I think Caitlin Bree is looking pretty good in this movie. I think so too. It's always hard to tell in the black and white, but <laughs> <laughs> I was understanding it. She really nails the vibe of what you think that I think this so. person would be like. Yeah, great time. Seems super fun and cool. But you also know that. Well, usually people that there's are. There's other dudes that are also. Time. Yeah, right. Thinking that she's very fun and cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Just, you're going to get the inevitable blow off. Caitlin wants to use the bathroom. Randall warns her that there's no lights. She goes, anyway. Dante then returns. <laughs> this scene is so insane. Yeah, it's quite a. And the twist. first time I saw it. I'm surprised my head didn't explode. I couldn't even wrap my mind around this. Yeah. It's so crazy. Caitlin had some sexual misadventures in the bathroom. Turns out that that old man that Dante let go back and use the employee bathroom had a heart attack while he was jacking off to the porno mag. What and apparently go his out. erection remained. I'm like, what What was going on with this Did you dude? do any like scientific verification of that? If that could happen? I yeah. just took their word for it that yes, I guess it could. Yes, same. Although, I can't even imagine an erection lasting four minutes, let alone four <laughs> hours. Really? How would that even be possible? This dude is like know. 60 years old plus, and he's dead. I just don't really think that's real. Yeah, it seems not real. But she, of course, thought it was Dante back there waiting for her with a boner, and it wasn't. Yeah, Dante, real romantic. This scene, it's a little bit tricky, I don't necessarily think it's the thing that ages the worst. I think there's things in this movie that are probably more problematic. I'd than say this. so. This yeah. is clearly supposed to be funny, and it is, even though it's sort of fucked up. 
she has sex with the dead man she's in shock and trauma she i love that she's being taken away in the same ambulance as the <laughs> dead body yeah that's funny that kills me and willem who's been hanging around in his trench coat he just hops in the back of the i don't ambulance get that too. but yeah how did you get here so fast i left like an hour ago do you always talk this weird after you violate a woman? Maybe the Asian design major slipped her some opium. Could be. It has never been like that before. Like what? When you just lay perfectly still and let me do everything. Am I missing something here? Okay. I went back there and Dante was already waiting for me. He was? It was so cool. He didn't say a word. He didn't have to. He was just ready, you know? And like, we didn't kiss or talk or anything. He just sat there and let me do all the work. You dog, I didn't even see you go back there. And the fact that there weren't any lights on made it so. God, that was so great. <laughs> My legs are still shaking. It wasn't me. <laughs> You're right, who was it then, Randall? Was it you? No, I was up here the whole time. You two better quit it. I'm serious. Oh, so we didn't just have sex in the bathroom? No. Stop it. This isn't funny. I'm not fooling around. I just came in from outside. This isn't fucking funny, Dante. I'm not kidding. Who went back there? Nobody, I swear. I feel nauseous. Are you sure there was someone back there? Well, I didn't just fuck myself. Jesus Christ. God, I'm gonna be sick. You just fucked a total stranger? Shut the fuck I can't up. Believe this. Call the police. No, don't. Because there's a stranger in our bathroom. He just raped Caitlin. Oh, she God. said she did all the Will you shut the fuck up? Who the fuck's in our bathroom? So now Dante's really just sent on a spiral. Yeah, he's not going to go to the hospital with her. Who's going to close the store? <laughs> Although he was going to have Randall do it anyway. Right. It doesn't seem like they have that many customers at this point. I know. It's almost like Dante, he does mention that he's going to go see her in the hospital tomorrow or whatever. But it almost feels like after this event, he's like... Well, that's it for me and Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, which, again, ties in with what I was saying about his, like, misogynistic attitude. Yeah. His reaction to this incident, and I literally wrote this down, is only thinking about how it really affects him. Oh, yeah. And what he was planning on doing. Right. If he had fully committed to Caitlin, then this would change nothing. It was something horrible, and he would have to help her cope with it. I was trying to think, I mean, I obviously I'm not a woman, so I don't really think that this scenario is as likely. It's not likely for anyone, but it would seem almost impossible to happen to me. But I was like, well, how would you react to something like this? It's completely humiliating to the people who know about it, obviously. Sure. But it's hard to say how fucked up you would be over this. I don't know. How fast you could get over it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I think I would probably it would be running through my head for quite a while. It seems also this. impossible that this would ever happen. Sure, okay, and she that's the thing. Know that yeah, it's not him. It's just and it's like a dead body not reacting at all. Right. It's clearly just a funny thing to come up with for a movie. I don't think we could ever convince ourselves that something like this could actually happen. I think it's better we don't. Yeah. <laughs> But Dante seemingly is just going to throw Caitlyn in the trash now because she's tainted by this. That seemingly is his attitude. Yeah. Dante's going on and on and on with his complaining. It's all about 
his shitty life. I'm not supposed to be here today. I can't believe this happened to me, basically. And there's a little bit of a wake-up call from Randall. <laughs> like, dude, it's like, take shut a look up. at yourself, yeah. You need to shit or get off the pot. And he's like, you need to initiate change if you're unhappy with shit. Jay and Silent Bob stop in. Dante rejects Jay's invitation to a party, clearly thinking that he's better than Jay and Bob. And this sort of plays into that whole mentality of him looking down on everybody. Yeah. Like he's somebody so important and great. Meanwhile, he's just a clerk at this fucking convenience store. Really, you have to make about the lowest wages that one can possibly make. Silent Bob's advice is also misogynistic and crazy. True. Where he's just like most... There's a lot of fine-looking women in this world. Most of them just cheat on you, is yeah. what he says. <laughs> Completely insane. That was exactly my mindset, Yeah, though. I would have thought that was so <laughs> profound when I first saw this movie in high school. Now, like, hearing it now, I'm like, what is, what is Holy he even talking shit. about? Yeah, I know. <laughs> just because Veronica brought him lasagna? Like, what? And then every other woman is a whore, basically, <laughs> because they don't bring you lasagna? I know. I feel like... In the movie, this is supposed to be, I don't know, the wise advice or something. Yeah, I know. It definitely is. Randall takes it upon himself to tell Veronica that Dante is getting back with Caitlin right as Dante is realizing that he actually loves Veronica and getting back with Caitlin would be a mistake. No, it only took that. Randall thinks he's helping. (laughs) Of course, he's not. Right. (laughs) As I said, in real life, this guy would be an unbearable asshole. You would never be able to be around this person. He's spitting in customers' faces. He's telling them to fuck off. He's showing them (laughs) explicit pornography. I mean, he would be fired like so many times over. He's watching the Chicks with Dicks porno movie right there at the counter in the store. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a gig. Veronica explodes on Dante breaking up with him in a dramatic scene. I think she is dynamite in this performance here. She nails this. She does. She actually gets the words out, and it's not any simpler than anything else. There's a lot of words. She's saying a lot. She's almost exacerbated. Like you would think you would be like running out of breath because she's like saying a lot of this. Like, well, this is probably the kind of shit that they would practice the most in like those acting classes. Well, that's true. It's like dramatic moments, and I think being natural and calm in everyday life might be harder sometimes. That's a good point. But yeah, I will say Gigliotti is this is her best scene. Oh, what'd you do that for? You didn't want to go out with me anymore. Why didn't you just say so? Instead, you pussyfoot around and see that slut behind my back. What are you talking about? I've been talking to her on the phone for weeks. It was only a few times. And then you pulled that shit this morning, freaking out because I've gone down on a couple of guys. Oh, a couple? I'm not the one trying to patch things up with my ex, sneaking around behind your back. And if you think 37 dicks are a lot, then you just wait and see, mister. I'm going to put the hookers in Times Square to shame with all the guys I go down on now. Will you let me explain? Explain what? How you've been waiting until the time was right and then you were to dump me for her? It isn't like that. Dear Martin, it isn't like that because I won't let it be like that. You want your slut? Fine, the slut is yours. I don't want Caitlin. You don't know what you want. But I'm not going to sit here holding your hand anymore until you figure it out. I've tried with you, Dante. I've, I've encouraged you to get out of this fucking dump and go back to school to take charge of your life and find direction. I even transferred so maybe you'd be more inclined to go back to college if I was with you. Everyone said it was a stupid move, but I didn't care because I loved you. And I wanted to see you pull yourself out of this senseless funk that you've been in since that whore dumped you all so many years ago. And now you want to go back to her so she can fuck you over some more? I don't want to go back to her. Of course not, not now. You're caught, and now you're trying to snake out of doing what you wanted to do. 
do? Well, I won't let you. I want you to follow through on this just so you can find out what a fucking idiot you are. And when she dumps you again, and I promise you that, Dante, she will. When she dumps you again, I want to laugh at you right in your face just so you realize that that was what you gave up our relationship for. I'm just glad that Randall had the balls to tell me since you couldn't. Randall? And having him tell me that was just the weakest move ever. You're spineless. Veronica, I love you! Fuck you! Dante reacts to this by getting into a, a physical fight with Randall. They trash the <laughs> Why store. Why the fuck did you do that? This scene, it's not great. No, nah, that's kind of dumb. You don't really see most of the actual fighting, and the stuff you do see is, looks terrible and completely ridiculous. Yeah, breaking like a loaf of bread over his head or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, Dante and Randall have a moment of clarity. Randall hears Dante repeat his refrain that he's, quote, not even supposed to be here today, and points out that Dante could have left at any time and prevented the day's events in any number of ways, and that he's to blame for the mess with Veronica and Caitlin. I think that's perhaps most important. Furthermore, he says they are not as, quote, advanced as they think they are, or else they would not be stuck in such lowly jobs. And this is probably the most important part of the movie. It's the commentary yeah. of the times. It's like, well, when you put it that way. It makes it more than just a vulgar comedy. In 2019, Clerks was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, who deemed it, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So it's a nice little honor there. And I think so. that's because of this scene, because it then turns this comedy into a commentary on... A very pervasive mentality, I think, in the 90s. Post-grunge. Agreed. Gen X malaise. I think malaise is one of the titles of one of the chapters in this. Seems like it would be. You still didn't have to choke me. Oh, please. I'm surprised I didn't kill you. Why do you say that? Why do I say that? Randall. Forget it. Oh, really? What did I do that was so wrong? What don't you do? You know, sometimes I think the only reason you come to work is to make my life miserable. How do you figure? What time did you get to work today? Like 10 or 10 after. You were over a half an hour late, and then all you do is come in here. Yeah, to talk to you. Which means the video stores are ostensibly closed. Oh, it's not like I'm miles away. Unless you're out renting video at other video stores. Hermaphrodites. I rented it so we could watch it together. You get me slapped with a fine, you argue with the customers, and I have to patch everything up. You get us thrown out of a funeral by violating a corpse, and then to top it all off, you ruin my relationship. I mean, what's your encore? Do you, like, anally rape my mother while pouring sugar in my gas tank? You know what the real tragedy about all this is? I'm not even supposed to be here today! Oh, fuck you! Fuck you, pal! Jesus, there you go, trying to pass the buck. I'm the source of all your misery. Who closed the store to play hockey? Who closed the store to go to a wake? Who tried to win back his ex-girlfriend without even discussing how he felt with his present one? You want to blame somebody? Blame yourself. I'm not even supposed to be here today. You sound like an asshole! Jesus, nobody twisted your arm to be here. You're here of your own volition. You like to think the weight of the world rests on your shoulder, like this place would fall apart if Dante wasn't here. Jesus, you overcompensate for having what's basically a monkey's job. You push fucking buttons. Anybody could waltz in here and do our jobs. You, you're so obsessed with making it seem so much more epic, so much more important than it really is. Christ, you work in a convenience store, Dante. And badly, I might add. I work in a shitty video store, badly as well. 
You know, that guy Jay's got it right, man. He has no delusions about what he does. Us, we like to make ourselves seem so much more important than the people that come in here to buy a paper or, God forbid, cigarettes. We look down on them as if we're so advanced. Well, if we're so fucking advanced, what are we doing working here? Dante is sort of stunned by Randall's outburst, where he doesn't really know what to say at that point because he knows it's true. Yeah. And more importantly, as I said... All of this bullshit with Caitlyn and Veronica is his fault, regardless of if Randall blew his cover or not. Sure. I mean, he's been pining for Caitlyn and carrying a torch for her, secretly talking to her on the phone every night while dating Veronica, who seems like a sweet person. Yeah. Who's reliable and there for him. I don't know. It's just like I can certainly remember times in my life that being not even just the pushover Dante, but the Dante of bitching about everything acting like I'm better than all of this, but really not doing anything about it and just being, like, stuck in this rut. Oh, yeah. It's definitely relatable. I think that's just part of growing up. That's sort of maybe what the idea of the movie yeah. is. It's time to grab hold of your life, and then, unfortunately, you watch Clerks too. Right. Like, I was going to nope. say, well, the sad thing for these two. The end of the movie comes sort of abruptly. It's closing time. They sort of make up without really addressing anything other than Dante kind of being like, all right, yeah. Whatever. He plans to go visit. You do think he would be more torn up about the events of what happened with these (laughs) It seems like this kind of stuff happens all the time. (laughs) There's constantly people fucking corpses. He plans to go see Caitlin in the hospital and then potentially try to make up with Veronica the next day. And then they leave the store and we hit the end. The original ending of the film was terrible and was such a... yeah. Stupid. It was Dante thing. getting shot, right? Another customer comes in to buy cigarettes and then shoots them, I guess maybe to steal money out of the register. I don't even really remember. I've only ever watched it like once. I feel like I would have been applauding though. What do you mean? Dante getting shot. Well, yeah, I mean he is annoying and he he maybe No, I know. Something. That ending would have been so dumb. But it just doesn't fit with yeah. the rest of the movie. And wisely was told to cut it even before he took it to Sundance. So after Clerks, which becomes this little breakout indie. A lot of people talking about it. I think it got nominated for some Independent Spirit Awards, maybe. I think Randall got nominated. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. They seemed bound and determined to try to turn Clerks into a TV show. First, there was a live-action pilot, which went into production while Smith was preoccupied with Mallrats, so almost right away. And so Smith didn't have anything to do with it. In fact, I think he wrote a script for it once he found out about it and it was rejected oh wow <laughs> both jeff anderson and brian o'halloran auditioned for the role of dante neither of them got it that randall was weird. already cast as jim brewer pre saturday night live yeah, okay i think they filmed a pilot it was terrible i don't think anybody's seen it it was not picked up hmm. then a few years later they tried the clerks animated series which somehow did make it onto the air on, like, Lasted, ABC. What, like, two episodes before they pulled the plug? I don't remember how many actually aired. I think there's, what, six? There's six in total, In existence. Yeah. I don't know how many I aired. owned it at one point. I, I don't know what happened to it, but... Yeah, I think everybody's owned it. I definitely owned it. I remember watching them all. I, think... I actually, like, I liked some of it. I thought there was some funny stuff in it. I mean, it's completely different feel. Yeah, I mean, it's I think the live-action like... pilot was also supposed to be like TV PG, and the cartoon was also probably around that. It it's not explicit at all, so it's a completely right. different. Jay thing. and Silent Bob sell fireworks in it. Do they? Yeah, 
I couldn't even remember that. But yeah, there was a few funny parts. It didn't last. I remember the second episode of it was like a flashbacks episode. Which yeah, was, that was funny. Yeah. That was the thing that I thought was remember hilarious. Remember that? <laughs> and then that part where they do the old gag of they're climbing up something and then the camera turns. <laughs> yeah. That's not the most original right. gag ever, but I they thought it was They would throw in a funny. bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, there was, there was some good stuff. After that, Clerks comes back in 2006 with a major motion picture sequel clerks 2 yeah and you gotta figure this was right around or only a couple years after me getting into all this kevin smith stuff i didn't see clerks 2 in theaters but when oh my god (laughs) (laughs) but when it came out on dvd i bought it and this is like when i found out during that give us a second that you didn't see batman begins in theaters i gotta tell you you during i i don't really remember clerks 2 playing in theaters around me i saw it a couple of times i'm pretty sure it had a pretty wide release yeah i mean i think it made 25 million right so yeah like 27 on a five million dollar budget so let's let's talk about it i watched clerks 2 today for the first time in well over a decade and i watched it last night for also the first time and probably since yeah 2008 and I had always thought, like, okay, Kevin Smith's first four movies, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, I love them all. And then I like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And then out of everything else, Clerks 2 would probably be the best. And I probably would say it's better than Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. There's a lot of duds in between, and then there's a lot of duds after. Oh, yeah. And then I watched Clerks 2 today, and man, it was a fucking bummer. I got to tell you, I watched it last night with Lindsay and not a lot of laughs from her. In fact, I would go as far as to say zero laughs, zero laughs. Does she laugh at the original clerks? Uh, She didn't watch it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, she's definitely not caught up in the viewisk universe fever or anything but i think you probably to even really get into the characters you need to be familiar with clerks a little bit okay yeah i mean because otherwise you're like who the fuck are these people yeah i know (laughs) and it's like hard to because i've seen clerks 20 times and i still am like who the fuck are these people (laughs) but still not one thing was funny to her in it and i wasn't that far ahead of her but i definitely was laughing at some i laughed things. at a couple of things there's a couple of great jokes there's actually, a couple of things i thought were funny back then that i was probably too mature or too embarrassed to laugh at now well i'm still always a sucker for like throwing in references to like movies you don't expect to be referenced in the into something i love the part where they have their little like fight and he's talking about how he knows rosario dawson is pregnant and he's like, you can't fucking say anything. You can't say oh, anything. Yeah, and then yeah. when she walks out and he says, me, your first child, be a masculine child. The whole concept of Rosario Dawson being romantically interested in Dante Absolutely insane. ridiculous. And it's just, it's too much for me to overcome at this point. Yeah. I think for whatever reason, when it was in theaters and it first came out, I was willing to roll with it. Now when I watch it, I'm like, this is stupid. This is so dumb. It's it would never happen. Nuts. Is it Kevin Smith's worst movie? Not even close. Wow, no. Yeah. Everything after Clerks 2, with the possible exception of Zack and Mary, which would I, I would have to rewatch, is worse. Zack and Mary might be better than Clerks 2. I don't remember. I only ever saw that like twice, and I don't really remember it. But Kevin Smith's career has taken a real hard downturn in recent years. I think we covered essentially what his biggest issue is. <laughs> 
is that sure. he can't do the kind of stuff that made him famous in the first place. Not that he even necessarily wants to, but even if he tried to fall back on it, it's not going to be there. I think that was pretty evident in Jane Silent Bob reboot where a lot of the type of humor that was in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back could not be replicated in Agreed. today's day and yeah. age. We discussed Mallrats on this show. I have a, an affinity for it. I think Jason Lee working with Kevin Smith was always a good combination. I'd say so. Both him and Affleck probably were the best in terms of being like legitimate people and also doing Kevin Smith's material. Right. Chasing Amy, we may talk about someday on this show. I don't know. If- I still really like Chasing Amy. I know I, I get the problems with it and everything, but that's one of those movies that, from an aesthetic standpoint, it's that perfect mid becoming the late 90s like new york city essence i I love that That should have probably been the follow-up to clerks it's the same feel the same indie feel the pull yourself up by the bootstraps do it yourself black and white it's a way more mature feeling movie unfortunately it's a snapshot of a very specific time period that does not really work anymore yeah and people, of course, similarly to what we talked about with Blue is the Warmest Color, having a straight white male do that story doesn't really fly nowadays. Right. Dogma was super ambitious, and I love it. It isn't a movie that I feel like I need to rewatch all the time. Yeah. But it's enjoyable. Absolutely. And it's certainly like on the scale of it is not something that you expect from a Kevin Smith movie. As far as his ambition, it might be his most ambitious movie in terms of also being successful because you could argue that maybe like Tusk or something, but I mean, Tusk is Oof. terrible, so yeah. who cares? And then things started to go awry. He did the Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That's the first movie of his that I saw in the theaters. I loved it at the time. It doesn't really hold up, but it's fine. It's I funny. never really want to watch it. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's no reason to. And then things start going wonky because he wants mainstream appeal. He's at that point five movies in and it hasn't really happened yet. He wants to like break through. He well, does Jersey Girl. And no matter huge what. Mistake. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no matter what, once you start getting to the the mid and later 2000s, it's like this Judd Apatow, his movie's making $100 million. Yeah. Has to be hitting him like. Yeah, and he sort of talked about that as part of his motivation to doing Zack and Miri make a porno, working with Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks. But yeah, his first real shot, because 40-Year-Old Virgin was 2005. Jersey Girl was 03, Something like that, yeah. So that's his first, like, oof. He tries it. Like, that is mainstream. That is like, I am not just appealing to my fan base right. who likes yeah. my bullshit. I'm trying to make a movie that is going to make money doesn't really work out i saw the movie at a drive-in don't remember a single thing about it i've never seen it all the way through have (laughs) seen parts of it i've seen the end so i mean i mostly know what the deal is but i've I've never seen it you know start to finish so then he retreats back and makes clerks too i don't think there was anything in between i don't remember no there wasn't so then he goes back to the well with clerks too it was a five million dollar budget it makes like 27 million in that sense, it's a hit. It got decent reviews, which is surprising. And I think I liked it at the time. Oh, I definitely things did. changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, I don't really love it. But then 
Zach and Miri, Cop Out, Tusk, Yoga I mean, Zach hosers. and Miri, I liked too. Definitely felt different. Again, that's one that Jeff I... Anderson comes back in that. As that's a true. Character. Yeah, it's not supposed to be part of the Viewers universe. Although I think there is a peripheral character that crosses over. Okay, I can't remember who, but Jason Muse is in it, not playing Jay. Right. So that's your first indication. I remember liking it, not loving it. Yeah, I th- but I definitely... that's the last that he's oh, ever yeah. been close. Well, I mean, and we know that that movie liking it, not loving his it, life. fine, but so much better than everything that followed i would say yeah things have just really taken a turn for the worse and he's sort of become a parody i don't really know how to explain what he even does now the movies he makes don't really appeal to me but if he comes out with clerks 3 which is something that's been talked about and all these different iterations of it and jeff anderson finally agreed to do it apparently then i would see it of course but oh sure don't really have particularly high hopes for it it would be interesting he's so far removed from even doing anything like clerks at this point well he probably thinks jane son bob reboot is like clerks even though it isn't wow yeah but yeah jane silent bob reboot was tough for me but it's it like it starts out as maybe one of the worst things i've ever seen and then it slowly starts to come back and there's some decent stuff in there but then it gets like the stuff with like Jay having a daughter and like all of the weird shit they throw in there and I, mean, I did just... like Shannon Elizabeth coming back. Yeah, I love seeing all the old people come back. Right. And having Matt Damon reprise his role from Dogma of all things, which was <laughs> yeah. so bizarre. And I kind of enjoyed that. Anyway, no recommendations for this week. <laughs> That's it. It's kind of an abrupt ending. Well, we are really pushing the I know at one point I was like should this be a two-parter well we're getting close to that limit here I think this thing's about to I don't know we could uh talk more certainly about the the later part of his career but I think it would only be it's a little self-indulgent I don't know how interested anybody is in this really (laughs) so let's just keep it at we love clerks does it age the greatest it's such an important movie for me I want to convey that it really is we don't really do a lot of comedies on this podcast because it's, it's kind of hard to yeah. talk about a comedy in a serious way. But Clerks, A, has the stuff with the women, and B, it's such an important thing for both of us, probably. And like I said, it's such a huge influence on my sense of humor and oh, yeah. and my life, really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know sounds pathetic, but folks, we're almost 200 <laughs> episodes Take into Take a look this. around. I'm surrounded by Blu-rays. <laughs> this is my life unfortunately this is it all right so thank you for listening follow the show on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on apple podcasts and Podbean. we will talk to you next week with something really fun and exciting that you're not even ready for oh wow
Princess Moonhour played Caitlin uh, in Clerks, the girl that got away, the one that Dante pines after, uh, the one who eventually has sex with the dead guy in the bathroom. Yes. Um, I was, I was, I wanted, I wanted to bury the lead on that one. <laughs> yes, right. And she and her performance is pretty. It's great. Astounding. Lisa was one of the chief architects of Clerks, so it was me, Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, and Lisa Spoonauer. Uh, the four cast members kind of rehearsing for a month before anybody got out there to shoot and stuff. When I heard that she passed away, I know she'd been sick uh, in the past, but when I heard she passed away, the first thing I was thunderstruck by was like, fuck, she dreamed my dream for me and with me. And we built something together. And how I met her was, I didn't know her. Like a lot of people in Clerks, you know, I either grew up with or have known, you know, for years. But we had auditions uh, at the First Avenue Playhouse in Atlantic Highlands, and we, we got Brian O'Halloran out of that, and Marilyn Gigliotti, who played Veronica, Jeff Anderson uh, as well, but I knew him from the video store. He used to come in, and also I knew him from high school. But we couldn't find a Caitlin, and Caitlin needed to be like, you know, the, the one that captured his heart, and so she had to be a stunner. She comes in late in the picture, so she's got a lot of catch-up to do. She's like the shark in Jaws. They talk about her the whole movie, and you don't see her until, like, the third act. Right. So we couldn't find her in the auditions. Nobody came in that felt like it. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to go to Brookdale, a community college where I used to go. It's not a four-year school. It's like a two-year school. You get an associate's degree. And I'd take an acting class there, so I knew that acting classes. So I'm like, I'm going to go watch an acting class at Brookdale. I went to Brookdale, picked an acting class, sat in the back of the room. There was about 20 kids, and they were partnered up doing scenes. And Lisa and this guy get up and do a scene, and she was like, crazy natural i don't know how else to describe it but she seemed real everyone else smelled like they were acting and she her delivery was that natural that it felt like oh fuck she's just she's having a real conversation so i said that's her and so i waited till after class and then i followed her back to her car in the parking lot <laughs> oh lord <laughs> so true now that i look back i'm like thank god i didn't get maced um so I followed her out to her car, and then I said, excuse me, and she turned around, and she looked at me weird, and I said, this is gonna sound really creepy, but would you like to be in a movie? And she looks at me up and down, she goes, not if it's porn. Were you wearing a trench coat at the I time? Was. <laughs> I was, Silent Bob. So I said, it's not, it's not. I said, I got a script in my car and I remember she goes oh my lord I know and I remember she goes well I'm not going there and I said no I'll a go a film by Ted Bundy <laughs> I'm like can you help me carry this couch in the van <laughs> oh wait was she a great big fat person it puts um, the lotion she I, I go to my car I get the script I give her the script for clerks it's like 160 pages full of dick jokes set in a convenience store and I was like hit your wagon to this star so I gave it to her and I wrote my number and I said, like, read it. If you like it, call me and, and, and like, I, I would love you to be in it. And she says, okay. Got in the car and left. And, you know, I figured, I don't know, what are the chances I hear from her again? Two days later, she called me and I was like, oh, my God, what do you, what do you think? And she goes, um, well, it's certainly not porn, but everybody talks like it is. <laughs> And she goes, it's funny, do you think you can get away with this? And I was like, yeah, I think, who's gonna stop us? And she's like, all right, I'm in. So there's somebody I barely knew. She lived in New Jersey, she lived in like Freehold, the town. So she was within 45 minutes of where I grew up and shit. I had no idea who she was. Mm. Saw her and said, please do this movie. She said, yes. And that woman became one of the most important people I'd ever meet in my life. 
I think about her, no bullshit, at least once a day. Because at least once a day in my life, I think about clerks. And not where I'm sitting around jerking off going, thank God it happened. <laughs> I'm so good. <laughs> oh my God, I was so smart once. Um, but because like it comes up, it's just, it's the keystone of my life. The same way like being married comes up or having a kid comes up, clerk's a big part of my DNA. And when I talk about it or when I see it, there are posters around my house and shit, she's standing right next to me in the poster. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna say like, we were the Beatles, the five of us, but the five of us on the poster were the brain trust of that movie. I was just a guy that wrote a script, but I needed them to bring it to life. And she came in, first day of shooting, we rehearsed that movie for like a month straight uh, at quick stop after hours from like 10.30 at night till about three, four in the morning and shit. So that when we did it, we could do it in all in one take, like a play. We weren't burning various uh, takes, burning a lot of footage. So day one, first thing we shoot is uh, Veronica finding out, Randall in the video store, that Dante's cheated on her. So it's a quick scene with those two, a one -er. and But you know, it's maybe a half page scene. We did that, got two takes, we're like, great. Moving on, the next thing we shoot is the seven minute take of Lisa and, and Brian, who plays Dante, having their whole big conversation. It's the first time you see her in the movie, and it's the first time you're hearing anything about her side of the story. Right. So they come in, we rehearse it to death and stuff. They came in and do it. Seven minute take, they'd never fucking drop the ball. They sound like they're having a conversation, but it's some of the most stylized, gymnastic, fucking oriented dialogue a human tongue will ever have to do. And they dropped it in fucking one take. And we did a backup take for the fuck of it, but we never used it. It was the first take. Mm. They nailed it. That's what's in the fucking movie. And to this day, you know, was, that happened 25, almost 25 years ago. To this day, I've shot a bunch of things. That is one of the things I'm most proud of having done as a director. And not because it shows off any fucking panache for me as a director. It really doesn't. Because it's a fucking two shot that doesn't move. But it shows that those kids who were not pros... They hadn't trained the whole fucking lives. She went to a couple acting classes. Maybe she acted in high school. Brian had done some community theater. But they got up and I was like, I don't have any money, so please do it right the first time. <laughs> and they absolutely no pressure fucking there. crushed it. Yeah, and, and so I, she's a big part of my life. And, and uh, she, like her and Jeff were together while, while we were making the movie, the guy who plays Randall. They met and kind of fell in love. And so they were together for a few years and they got married and eventually split up, but remained really great, like friends. So she went back to Jersey and she got married and she had a daughter named Mia. And every time I talked to her on Facebook, that was, you know, it was the love of her life. She yeah. would talk about Mia, Mia, Mia and stuff. And how much she wanted to be there for her because her health was always in jeopardy. I don't know if it was a cancer or something. I know this much. At one point, she'd gotten so many radiation treatment therapy that her organs had fused together. Oh, Lord. So she was always in fucking pain. And she looked fine from the surface. One of these cases of people that, you know, like, you look great. But they're like, but I'm fucking dying inside. She was always no, in they pain. said for the past 10 years, she had been battling chronic illness. Big, you know? big time. But she fought it to stay with her kid. Like, she was as wonderful as an actress as she is. And she is in that movie, man. Like, I've gone on to do some other things. But, like, that performance is fucking killer. Um, she was a far better mother. But she's the first of our world to kind of go and she went way too fucking early dude 44 yeah. one of the most generous people i met in as much as she met a total stranger some fat boy came up to her in a parking lot <laughs> and gave her like a half-assed proposition and she trusted me and kind of went with it and we all went on this fucking journey together i'll miss her uh, all the time without her nothing happens you know what i'm saying like i'm still a dude working at a convenience store going 
boy, it'd be great to make a movie one day. She was an essential fucking element.